From Rhythm and Light in Chicago, I'm Steve Ordauer, and welcome to Rhythm of Life. Today on the show, I sit down with an actor who has been a fixture on the film and television landscape for decades. You may know him from the Ghostbusters, Miss Congeniality, the HBO series Oz, The Crow, or a slew of other productions. But today, you will get to know him in a very personal way as we explore his long and winding career. So sit back and enjoy this thoughtful, fascinating, inspiring, and at times downright hilarious conversation I had with this American treasure, who is one of the most gracious and thoughtful people I know, and happens to be a very dear friend of mine, Mr. Ernie Hudson. I wanted to just kind of start from the beginning, get a sense of, you You grew, you grew up in Benton Harbor, Michigan, right? Yeah, you know, which is right across the lake from Chicago. Um, you know, born there, raised, you know, went to high school, um, got married really early. Um, but yeah, oh, what my age? early life was Benton Harbor. I got married at uh, 18. No you know, kidding. I, yeah, yeah wow. I got out of high school and... Um, joined the Marine Corps. Actually, I joined the Marine Corps uh, two months before I got out of high school. You know, I was going to ask you, I, I, I read that you uh, were you had a short stint in the Marine Corps. Is that right? Yeah, I joined. Um, and then when I graduated, I, they shipped me off to San Diego uh, Training um, Depot. And um, I was there for 10 weeks and uh, was discharged because of asthma and found mm. myself back in Benton Harbor, which I was so desperate to get away from. Um, mm. And then once I was there, I figured, well, this is my life, so I might as well uh, marry and um, settle down and and um, make the best of it. So I got married. Um, uh huh. She got pregnant right away, and so wow. that was uh, what I thought was going to be the rest of my life. I didn't. I had no idea. Well, what like when you were growing up? The, I think you told me once that uh, you spent quite a bit of time in church. Is that true? As a kid. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, my uh, my mom died when I was three months old. Oh, I'm very and, sorry. And uh, actually, you know, I think it was probably four months, but in my mind, it's always been three months. I was born in December. I think she died maybe the first of April, but um, I've been saying three months for so long. But uh, so mm. I never really knew her. And uh, mm. my father, um, I didn't know him because she had gotten pregnant um, away from the family. And mm. so uh, I was born at home. Um, there was no record of my birth huh. and, um, That's strange. so, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So my grandmother mm-hmm. was very, she was very religious, you know, she, uh, mm-hmm. belonged to church of God in Christ in the early, early mm-hmm. days. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I'm sure as a baby, you know, I was, we went to church, uh, literally five out of seven days we'd be at church. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I remember getting saved and sanctified and, filled with the Holy Ghost when I was about, about one of my earliest memories, maybe about four years old. I mean, uh, you know, I was wow. tearing on the on the altar for the Holy Ghost. And yeah, people say, uh, you know, you grew up uh, in the projects in the hood. And I go, I grew up in church. I kind of walked through That's the what hood. you said you know, to me. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You, you know, said that very thing. I don't know a lot I remember about that. what's going on. But, you know, my life was mostly in church. You know, it was church, it was school, mm-hmm. and it was... Um, yeah, you know, that was uh, my world. Me and my grandmother we were very close. And so, um, and when I was a kid, little kid, you know, I, I had no choice. But when I got closer to my teens, uh, I kind of wanted to be there and, um, and 
you know, help her because she had physical difficulties. And so I think I was uh, really doing it more to keep her keep her happy but uh, well I, you know I I would imagine that she instilled and the church environment instilled a lot of values in you because you, you you're you, you know with the limited time that we've spent together you occur to me as a very thoughtful and spiritual person would you concur with that that these values have you know stuck with you to this day yeah I think would so agree? yeah no I think the things that you learn and you learn as a kid I think as opposed to coming into it as an adult, you know, um, mm. things were kind of simplified, you know, um, and my grandmother had a way of explaining things that uh, so that I could sort of uh, conceive and, and make sense out of, you know, we'd uh, listen to the sermon and then uh, on the way home or, you know, we would talk about it and she would kind of break it down and say what this really means is, and in some way that I could kind of grasp and so the whole sense of the spiritual connection that we all have uh, that was you know the belief that that is what unites us as opposed to anything that um, that's physical or some identity it's our spiritual identity that makes us one and um, and that's yeah you know I've always so yeah that's that comes from the teachings in church and even though you know, I turned my oh. phone off, but I didn't turn my watch off. I apologize. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a modern day dilemma. <laughs> yeah, it's like the watch is going off. So anyway, um, I mean, church has always been part of my life up until mm. I was probably in the eleventh grade, tenth, eleventh grade, when I began to question. A lot of things mm, that I mm. thought were fundamental didn't somehow seem fundamental to um, the pastor, the members. I began to, to see mm. a little beyond the curtain and question right, things right. that my grandmother didn't question. She just said, don't don't look at that. You know, you just oh. realize God is, you know, he blesses you through people who aren't perfect. But, you know, look past. Mm -hmm. I couldn't look past that. Right, um, right. And I think well, even in choosing the wife that I chose, I mean, now that I'm older, I can look at it. I think uh, because mm -hmm. she, my grandmother didn't approve of her and she was not a part of the church, so no one did. Uh -huh. I think that was my way of breaking away. You know, once I was mm. hers, like, okay, mm -hmm. my wife, I'm sorry, you know, that's my connection. So it was my way of getting mm. out of the church. And, uh, well, you know, you know, yeah. It, it, well, it's it's it, it's interesting how you 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 had this natural curiosity to see behind the curtain, um, you know, because I know that uh, you you started early on uh, writing uh, poems and songs, and you actually were a playwright writing your own plays. Didn't you found a an ensemble for African American artists? Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, me and a couple of other, um, you know. Um, theater people. Uh, I was in Detroit uh -huh. and uh, I was going to Wayne State University and Earl D.A. Smith okay. was a professor there and uh, David Regal, a couple of guys. And so we uh, established this theater, the Actors Ensemble, and we're doing a lot of just sort of, you know, um, new stuff. We thought interesting stuff. And it was a place where you could mm -hmm. write and you could, um, you know, you could uh, get on stage. And, and in the... Uh, the 
African-American community, uh, there was a, a number of theaters, Concept East Theater, which was one of the mm. oldest black theaters, first established, I think, in Cleveland, and then they had a branch in Detroit. But there were several yeah. places where you could go and you could you could train and you could develop mm. your skill. And in uh, and, and the theater we had, we wanted to give you know people a chance to see the work because the established theater, Wayne State, you know, they weren't doing a lot of that stuff. You know, doing classical stuff, but mm. that wasn't mm -hmm. kind of where my mm -hmm. head was. Even though they did do a play of mine, and uh, and I was able to do some work, a lot of workshops up there, but. But there was uh, there was outlets for that kind of creativity that I don't know if it's there now. That's the problem, you know. What what inspired you to get into acting and and writing to begin with? You know, uh, I got married so young. Uh, I thought it would be very simple: get a job, take care of your family, buy a house, and you know how hard can it be? <laughs> so. <laughs> But it got complicated oh, really fast. I used to have those. I used to have those same thoughts. You know, Boy, and, were we uh, naive. So, so we, um, it, yeah. I, I, I just my grandmother. Her only wish for me was, or only her only ask of me, was to graduate from high school. Which was, she was born mm. in eighteen ninety five. Which meant if mm, you had a high mm, school mm. diploma, that was like a college mm. degree in her mind. So once I got a high school sure. diploma. I was good to go, but of course, uh, by the time I graduated, that wasn't the case. Um, and so right. uh, I wanted to get a good job. I wanted her to, to I just wanted I, I, to get a good job, you know, something that you can be proud of. And so I did right. a lot of, uh, I sold, um, you know, I sold books, you know, I, I sold Watkins mm. products door to door. Um, I did, I, I just did a lot of jobs in addition to the job I had, which was a janitor. But I was always looking for something. I was always looking for a place, and I never quite felt mm -hmm. at home. We left Benton Harbor to go to Detroit to get into barbering. I was going to go to oh. beauty school, and she was going to go to barber school because women made huh. more money as barbers uh, than men huh. did, and men made more money in hairstyling. So, uh, but that okay. that didn't last long. That, that didn't. Uh, she went to barber school. I I'm think. taking. I'm taking this down. By the way, <laughs> I need sorry. a transition. <laughs> I'm running. So we saw an ad when we were bitten hard. We saw an ad in the paper that said, "And if you go to Alaska, was looking for barbers. If you go to Alaska, uh -huh. you can make fifteen thousand dollars a year, which seems like an enormous amount of money. And we thought if right, we right, went right. there, we could live out of one salary, save the other salary, come back." Like in five years, you know, have sixty thousand dollars, and you know, we'd be, you know, life would be good. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that adds up to sixty, but we're going to have a lot of money. <laughs> so, so it's all relative. So, I mean, what 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 sparked your move into into acting? So, though? okay, so getting to the acting. So, I tried. Uh, I got into college um, through, which was through a lot of. I got into college and uh, was there for about a year Beautiful. and a half and got a job with the Michigan Bell Telephone Company, which was a, a great okay. job. This I finally landed the job that my grandmother was proud of. Uh, I had a little green car that I could use, you know, drive a little, had uh -huh. a little bell symbol on the back. Uh, I, I wore right. a tie to work. I worked in an office. I had a secretary. Respectable. I had a, I had a real job and it were paying me. At the time, it seemed like a lot of money. It was about 1200 bucks mm -hmm. a month or something, but that was a lot mm -hmm. of money. 
but I hated mm-hmm. it. I hated it. I didn't understand it. I was awful at it. I kept expecting to get fired at any moment once they knew just how bad I was. I mean, it was really <laughs> awful. And uh, but I, I felt, you know, I had to. <sighs> it was almost like that dream that you dream and then you it comes true. And then you go, oh, my God, it's a nightmare. I didn't know how this was going to work. <laughs> So I left the job one day, I, I was driving to work and I missed a stoplight. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. I missed the stoplight, I wasn't paying attention. And then I missed the next stoplight. And then I thought it was such a nice day. I think I'll just, I, I'm gonna go to Lansing, which is a state capital in Michigan. I'd never okay. gone before. Okay. So I thought I'm gonna take the day off and drive to Lansing. And then on the way to Lansing, I thought, my brother's in California, you know, it'd be really cool to see him. So I, I ended up, driving to california never went back to the job um really yeah, i just uh and then i was trying and trying and um so how old how old were you at this time oh geez uh, i don't know 21 20 so i i came back i was in la and i couldn't get a right. job everything was going really badly in la and mm, so mm. I, I was really kind of lost and i called home and my wife and the one thing i'll thank her for for the rest of my life, uh, I was saying, you know, it's really hard. She said, well, why don't you, uh, I had uh, gone to, uh, I was in Wayne, uh, at Wayne State and uh, mm-hmm. I had taken an acting class. And when I took that class, um, I, I when I walked on stage, I just felt at home. I just felt like this was, this is where I belong, but it was just such a big dream. I mean, you can't, you know, it was it was like something that would be impossible, but I I just felt so wow. right there. And so when I called home from California and she wow. said, why don't you come back and do that acting thing? And I said, but huh? actors can't make any money at acting. And she said, <laughs> she said, yeah, but you're broke anyway. You ain't got no money anyhow, so you're not gonna lose any money. So why don't you do something that you like? So I came back. And I totally I got involved that logic. in theater. And from that day, which is in 1966, I think, uh, okay. I've always managed to make a living uh, as an actor. I, I, I managed That's to amazing. do little plays. Uh, uh, we had some local TV stuff. I've always found a way to generate enough money to to manage uh, as an actor. And uh, that's been, well, geez, 50 years now. That is... I, that's fast. Have you told that story to anybody? I don't think so. On no, an interview no, ever? No, I usually, usually, um, you know, what area do you focus on? But, but yeah, that was, um, That's because incredible. when I first discovered a, a theater, uh, my wife and I were in Detroit, we had had a fight and I, I just had to get out of the house. I mean, I just had to get out of there because right, right. It was, it, it, she was, yeah, I've been yeah, there. I just had to, you know, one of those moments when you, you know, and so I got in yeah, my car and I'm just driving <laughs> because I don't want to go back home and I'm really upset. And I drove past this little, uh, looked like a storefront with a little marquee and there were people lined up uh, to get in. And I was curious. So I got out and asked what was going on. They said it was a play. I'd never seen a play. You know, I mean, I did some mm. high school stuff, but. So mm-hmm. I, I got in line, I went in and I saw this play, don't remember the name of it, it was about a father whose daughter got pregnant and he, you know, disowned her. And then in the end they came together. It was, a, and it was, and I was so blown away, but that was my first kind of introduction. But at that point, the dream was too big. I, I just could not mm-hmm. see how mm-hmm. I could ever even ask for something like that. But it was always right. there. And then I took an acting class and I loved it, but it was still like, it's impossible. 
But after right, feeling right. like I failed at every possible job. Through the years, I keep on talking. That was when I came back and I committed um, to acting, you know. Wow. So, you know, I'm curious, though, when you said the first time you were on stage in that in that class. Yeah. That you felt right at home. Do, could you remember, like, what you were doing? Was it an exercise? Or what had you feel so at home? Do you, you know? Do you I, yeah, you know, when you, I, I, I well, I, I'd seen the play. That was, like, in the summer. And then that fall, as an elective. I needed an elective. And I okay. took, uh, just took this class. Didn't know anything about it. I went in. And it was uh, the first we uh, held class on a stage, and I just knew. I mean, I just the way it it just felt, the way it smelled, the way it just it just was it was it was home. It was me. It was, you know. And uh, we did we performed a play, and uh, the first play okay. I did, um, I had no lines, and the guy who was playing the lead, he was. Uh, teasing me because I would do the vocal exercises and he would say, you don't need to do this, man, because you you ain't got no lines. But I was so committed to doing this. Um, and uh, for years, people would comment on this because I played this guy who had been injured uh, in the factory and he was mm -hmm. having dinner with his family and he was he, he wanted to. There were so many issues and he wanted to speak, but he couldn't speak. And it was a moment in the play when he tried so hard and um, but it was, uh, it was, it was, I mean, I loved it. But I think, you know, I grew up believing uh, that spirit, that greater part of you, that spirit that you're connected with, that is aware of you, it, that it was personal. And my grandmother would always insist that it was personal. Don't think of it as something outside of you or something different from you. It is a part of you and it is aware of you. I mean, really aware. And it is there to help you, to to guide you if you wanted guidance. Mm. But you didn't have to tune in. But it was there. And right, so right. when there was something you wanted, when you were lost, or when you couldn't decide, just you could ask, and it would be given. And so hmm. once I really knew that this is what I was going to do, I just trusted the universe, uh, the Holy Spirit would guide me there i didn't know how i didn't know anybody i didn't never knew an actor um never met an actor but i just knew that mm -hmm. that uh it, it's in the asking and of course you have to prepare yourself and all that but so there was never a doubt sure, in my of mind a question that i would be successful the problem was i i think i i pray the well not the wrong prayer i i should have added to that prayer i want to make a lot of money you know <laughs> You know, when you ask, I just, I just want to work. I want to, I want to work. If you can just let me work in this industry, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll honor it and I'll be so thankful. I should have said and make a lot of money. I forgot to put the money. In. <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot how funny you were. Uh, anyway, uh, that, wow, that's really, really uh, interesting. You know, I, and, and that uh, doesn't, and you went on to be in, you were in um, a play you told me, I think, The Great White Hope, right? Yeah, that was, um, that was a few years later, you know, about, I think. Because you, you, were, you were in the, you were part of the, um, what was the ensemble called? I think it was the Actors Ensemble Theater. I think you 
established it, right? And then you were performing work that you created and another of your colleagues created, but then somebody recognized you and had you be in this play. Could you elaborate on that? Well, I, I um, most of the work I did uh, at Wayne State, it was uh, outside, it was in community theater. I didn't do a lot of plays at Wayne, uh, you know. Oh, I see. In fact, I went, I visited the theater and they, you know, we went through the theaters and they were saying, dude, this is, does, does this bring back memories? And I'm like, not really, because I didn't spend a lot of time here. I was in the community. Right, right. I was, um, you know, I was doing other stuff. But um, right, I, I read that you. I think you did a play called Daddy Good Goodness, and that led you. Yeah. To okay. So, to, so when to, I to meet Gordon Parks, well, well, is this well, true? Well, what happened is I found my family. Okay. You know, I uh, people ask sometimes. Mm. I said, you know, uh, acting for me at between difference between theater and movies. In theater, it's it's a love affair. I mean, you you love it. You you become a part of the people, mm. your fellow actors. You rehearse together. You 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 get to mm. know each other in a real personal way. In movies, mm-hmm. um, it's not love. It's like sex. You know what I mean? It's like you know you know you, you can get it, but don't confuse this with love because you right know, right what very different thing yes. and it's over and you kind of wondering what right. happened and how come it's <laughs> no ain't no love there I'm still you know? wondering what happened. it's like but i thought it was you know but theater there's a home there and you can you feel a part of that you know? and i found my family right. there's a guy named cliff rockmore who was doing some amazing work in the community mm. and uh mm. became my best friend actually for life until he passed um in fact, I dream about Cliff um, more than any person that I've ever known. He shows up in my, he died a number of years ago, but he shows up in my dream all mm. the time. Um, mm. But um, so he was producing and directing mostly. I was doing some directing on the side, and but mostly acting. So yeah, we eventually uh, came out to California. Um, in fact, I came out to California. He was directing Daddy Goodness and, and doing some stuff. Um, and I had hit a real hard, uh, time and that was the second time going to California. Things were really Mm. hard. I was staying at my brother's house. Uh, it just was, it was not a good, you know, things were really, and I was concerned about my, my family, my wife had Mm. become disenchanted with, uh, well, that's one way of putting it. (laughs) And, um, I tried to get an agent and do all that. And it just got, just turned down at every turn. And uh, by mm-hmm. accident, uh, I met Gordon Parks's daughter. I didn't know it was his daughter. And mm-hmm. um, I eventually, he was doing a movie called Lead Belly. And through one of the strangest oh, coincidences geez. that probably can never happen twice, you know. Uh, but sure. um, uh, I met Gordon, got cast in uh, in the movie Lead Belly and went to wow. Texas. And, um, and it was one of the you know, one of those life-changing uh, events. Um, yeah. And uh, it was a guy named Michael Constantine who did a show called Room 222. And it was a okay. it was a school and he was a teacher or maybe he was a principal, principal I'm not sure. But uh, Michael starred in that show, a TV show. Um, and um, I, uh, I was doing a play in L.A. Uh, I met Michael didn't know him actually he was at a party and i just sort of went up and and introduced myself and and asked if he would introduce me to his agent which he looked um at me like what you know i don't even know you but uh i guess because i had the audacity to ask you know and i asked very sincerely because why wouldn't he 
And uh, he said, okay. Of course. So, so he called his agent and the agent gave me an appointment to go see him in Beverly Hills. And uh, okay. so I, I was staying at my brother's house. Uh, my sister-in-law had taken my clothes to the laundromat and I went off and left them and then remembered and went back and they were all gone. So I really didn't have mm. any clothes to wear, but I had to kind of oh, get, goodness. you know, look good for this interview. So my brother, I've had put his clothes on, but he's about 50 okay. pounds lighter than me. So I had to kind of oh, oh, squeeze oh, wow. into them. But I got to this agent. <laughs> I went into Beverly Hills and I was intimidated to be in Beverly Hills, uh, parked. And then I went in to see this guy and waited and waited and waited. And finally he came out to call me in the office. And before I could say anything, he says, listen, the only reason I'm seeing you is because Michael is one of my best clients and he asked me to see you. So I saw you. So now you can leave. And I said, but oh I'm, you know, I'm new and I was trying to give him my little spiel. And he said, I don't want to hear that. I said, I don't want to hear it. Uh, I tried to show my portfolio. He says, I don't want to see that shit. Uh, he says, I get this, oh I get this God. shit in the mail every day. And he held up his waste basket and it had a bunch of photos that actors had sent in. And he says, I, and so I said, well, cause I asked, can I give you my picture in case something comes up? He said, what, what, what am I going to do with that? So he says, best thing you can do is go back to Detroit or wherever the hell you come from, uh, because you're not going to work out here. I can tell you that now there's no, there's nothing for you here. And, and wow. I have been, I have Whoa. been trying, I've been doing this play for free. I'd been just, you know, uh, you know, I've, mm. I've done my brother's house and my, my little niece mm. would say, daddy, he's eating all the food up. And it was just, uh, it was just mm. a bad time. So I, oh, yeah, I was wow. just so depressed. And, um, but I went out to my car and it just, just looked like it just depleted me. And, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I drove the car to, uh, right. to, I, they had a, a uh, it was a garage, so you had to pay. And back in those days, you didn't pay for parking. I didn't know you had to pay. And the guy said it was like a yeah. dollar and 25 cents. And, and right. I didn't have a dollar 25 cents. So I said, I don't, he, I don't, he said, what the hell did you park here for at the first? If you knew you didn't have any money. <laughs> and I, and I just lost it, man. I just lost it. It was just so much stuff was happening. And I, and mm. I just started crying. And wow. uh, he said, just get the hell out of here. And I just pull over and I just, Right. Looked like everything had just, uh, you know, and so I, the one number I met at the girl I met at this party and I couldn't go to my brother's house because I couldn't, I just couldn't hear any more comments about my not, oh. you know, doing my oh, part. Man. So I called her and she said, why don't you come over? And I went over there and I told her what right. happened and we drank some, some, I don't know what it was because I'm not a drinker, but uh -huh. I, I got drunk. And uh -huh. um, and then I, I went home and I was just done for. I, I didn't wow. I was out of I was out of all options. And then the phone rang and uh, it was uh, Gordon Parks's office. They wanted to huh. see me. Because he was doing a movie at Paramount and I'm like, Gordon Paramount. Well, what had happened was when I went over to a house, the picture that I tried to give the agent who wouldn't he wouldn't take apparently i was still right. clutching it when i went to into her place and oh. I, I put it on her uh piano um set it on the top of the piano and that night her father was over to dinner gordon parks and okay. he saw the picture and he saw that i had gone to yale and he said well who's this guy and he was looking for someone who was strong enough to play opposite uh, roger mosley who was starring as lead belly Right, and, right, um, right. And so they called me in, and I I went in to 
that's how I met Gordon. Um, I got over there. They said, how fast can you be here? I said, I can be there in like like 10 minutes. Of course, there's no way possible. But I I just, you know, I got there and uh, and and I was meeting Gordon Parks and at Paramount. And so Gordon, wow. Gordon said um, he explained what we're doing. This movie is about the music uh, legend, uh, Huddy Ledbetter, Ledbelly. <laughs> yep, yep. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the problem is when he leaves home, there's a girl that he likes, but her boyfriend is this other guy and they're competing for the girl. And there's a big dance and and there's a race where you drive this team of horses, a really big, important part of the the movie and uh and he says mm-hmm. well i have to ask you do you have you been around animals can you drive a team a team of horses do you know much about horses i said yeah yeah i can do that i, yeah, I know about horses of course you can you know so he says <laughs> and now he says there's a big dance it's like he's uh because at this dance he you know he's forced to leave town after but there's a fight scene you guys fight but it's a big dance and are you a dancer can you dance and i said well i'm, I'm not a dancer but but I can learn. I'm, I'm really good. I can learn, uh, you know, uh, you know, well, first I said I, I could, you know, I could convince it. Right, and then I started walking out the door and I couldn't do it. So I turned around and said, Mr. Parks, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not a dancer, but I, I you know, I, I know I can I can learn. And he says, sure, sure. he says, OK, all right, just wait outside. And, and so and did I, you and, have, and then did I you... said, you know, and, and about those horses. Um, uh-huh. I, 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 you know, I don't, I, I don't know much about horses, but I can learn about that's horses. What I was gonna so, ask. That's what I was gonna and I could just see he, he just like, uh. so he said, just wait outside, and um, and I waited, and uh, the producer came up to me and he said, you know, he said, it looks like Gordon really likes you. He says, so I tell you what, hmm. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay you six hundred and five dollars a week. How's that sound? And I'm thinking six hundred and five dollars. Hell yeah! I didn't know the minimum he could pay me is six hundred and four dollars, <laughs> and I signed the contract on the spot. <laughs> pay me! I'm I am so you know. And then I talked to an agent after he said, "Why would you do that? Why would you take that?" And I'm like, "Because he, I I don't know, six hundred dollars." But anyway, that's how my I, situation you know. was a little different right before that happened. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I was depressed like, and down on my luck. I was in bad shape, and uh, Gordon. It's all became, a matter of perspective. He was a he became a good friend of mine, and uh, he was just mm. amazing. It was an amazing experience, and uh, I think I'm an actor mm. to this day because of um, getting a chance to work with him and and work on that movie. Uh, it was really important. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, now so now that was after you were in the Minneapolis production of Great White Hope, right? Yeah, that, that was you know, right? that came after. I, so I I did uh, Lead Belly, came back to L.A., did some TV, but my marriage was my wife was she was like not having it. She had just uh-huh. she was working on a Ph.D. She had a great job. She had gotten a new mm, apartment. Mm. She had a car. I'm saying, mm, hold mm. on, you know, we're gonna be together. Life, you know, we you marry forever, and so mm-hmm. I left L.A. to go to Minnesota where she was to try and pull my family together. Um, but there, that was, that was, that was okay. long gone. Everybody knew it. The dog knew it, <laughs> you know, the dog always knows it. <laughs> the dog would they not, pick up on energy. Yeah, I'm convinced would, of it. <laughs> he wouldn't do anything. I said, I'm like, you know, uh, go outside. He'd look at me like, I'm not the one leaving. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, well, finally that was over. And that's oh. when, and I was again at the bottom of, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
The marriage isn't working. Oh. The wife has told me to get the hell out because I'm not contributing. Okay. And right, right. Uh, I'm in Minnesota. I got no money to get back to California. And okay. uh, and I met a guy. I had auditioned for the Great White Hope. And I met a guy named okay. Willis Burks who was a, okay. became a long, a lifetime friend. And sure. uh, I I had his number in my pocket, so I called. And he asked me where I was. And he came over, picked me up, and uh, I stayed at his house for like three months while we did the play. Um, yeah. And I had I was turning thirty. Uh, this mm. was in uh, the the fall around September, and I was going to be thirty years old. I was twenty nine at that point. Okay. And so I just put everything into um, the play. I mean, I trained for it like a fight. Um, mm-hmm. I just uh, and when the play opened in Minnesota, it it changed my world. It changed my life. I mean, I've been an actor for, you know, that 10 years before, but right. it, I never made any money. Not really. You know I mean? I was just struggling. Okay. I managed enough to, you know, keep the heat on, feed the kids. Sure. Do the basic stuff. But, um, I, I needed something. I, I just began to, I, when I went to Minnesota from LA, remember I said, uh, Things were so bad, and they had lost my clothes and all that stuff. Sure, I just began to say, "Why am I doing this?" The Great White Hope was sort of—it was a reaffirmation that, yeah, this mm. is what this is my calling. This is where I mm. need to be. And uh, yeah, it was a huge, huge hit. And um, you couldn't get a ticket. It was—it uh, yeah, it was life changing for me. And did you did, did you play the lead? Yeah, Jack yeah, I played, uh, yeah, I played the. Uh, well, it, they, it was based on Jack. It was Johnson's based on Jack Johnson. Right. Yeah, in the play, it was Jack Jefferson, based right, right, um, right. You know, based on Jack Johnson's life, and James Earl Jones had done the production, and um, right, right. And I did it in Minneapolis um, when we closed that production. Um, uh, they were doing it at the Missouri Repertory Theater. I heard about this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, and at that time, the University of uh, Minnesota was doing a, a play of mine that I had written. Um, but uh, we did the Great White Hope. I, I did a couple of plays, and you know, I was doing a lot of theater here in, in Minneapolis. Sure, sure. And so, but I heard they were doing uh, the Great White Hope in that summer. And so I called up the, um, the uh, theater director and, uh, and asked to, uh, to come down. She had heard about the production in Minnesota. The part was already uh, cast by a very good actor. He was set mm. to play the part. And mm. she told me that the part was already cast. She was really sorry. She wished she had. Um, and I'm like, I said, you know, it's really too bad. You know, um, she said, but, you know, I heard so much about it. Could you just could you just do something? She said, I just would love to see you just just do something for the play. So we went in the theater okay. and I did this monologue. And she said mm. she was just so happy. And so we went to her office and she called, uh, <laughs> she called John, who was, who was going to be doing the play. And she apologized and she said, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, would you mind playing the part of uh, the trainer, Tick? Because oh. uh, I just, Ernie Hudson is here. And so... Uh, Wow! But he's one of my best friends now, and so we we became <laughs> friends. <laughs> That's great. So That's amazing. Yeah. At uh, yeah. At and so we did it at the Missouri Repertory Theater. When that was over, I went out to L.A. My friend, who I mentioned mm. earlier, who I worked with so much in Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, working with the Inner City Cultural Center, and uh, we 
put the play on. I was one of the producers on that. Uh, but we, we got the play up mm. and uh, did the play here. And that's where Abby Mann uh, came. The, the last night of the show, he came to see the play. And uh, mm. he was doing the Martin Luther King story in Atlanta. And uh, he okay. cast me um, in a, a wonderful role in that miniseries. And so, and that's when I really started working uh, in L.A. Uh, I just started, you know, working. That was, I think, in 70, 77, I think. I did, 76, 77, somewhere in there. I want to ask about your time at Yale, but before I do, what were some of your first roles after that experience? What were some of the things that kind of propelled you into the industry from that point forward? Well, you know, we did, uh, I went back, I did the Martin Luther King story, and then I started working um, a lot, TV movies. So I I, I worked a a lot. I was was doing a TV movie with Robert Culp and uh, Larry Hagman. Um, okay. And, um, and so I, I got this part and, uh, we had a chase scene and, uh, I was playing this guy who was, I think he was, he was this, I don't know what, he was sort of this gay robber, whatever. They gave me some big blousy clown pants, <laughs> you know, it was, and so it was a chase scene and, uh, I was to run and turn, and somehow, I don't know how it happened, but I was running and made the turn. My foot got stuck, and I fell and snapped uh, my shin bone, just popped it. I mean, it just shattered it. Um, and oh, I'd never had a broken bone or been in a hospital or any of that stuff, and I was just, um, it was, it was, it was the worst. Um and so um, they took me to the hospital, and uh, I, uh, you know, they, the studio called and said, "Wow, they they really love the work I was doing. They'd wait for me, mm. take my time, heal. Oh. The part would be there." And uh, wow. the doctor said, "It's going to take a lot of time. You need to take, you know, be careful. It's going to be, you know, weeks before you can really get it up and about." And then the next day, the studio called and said, we've been looking at the footage. You're so good in the, in the, in the show. Can you uh, be at work tomorrow? And I said, but, but I, the doctor, and he said, yeah, but if, if there's any way you could, because we really appreciate it. So I went against the doctor's orders. You know, I was in a cast and, uh, wow. and they shot me from the waist up. And, uh, so uh-huh. I, I went there on my crutches and then they'd, uh, you know, I'd stand on the one foot and then, when we were doing the scene, I'd give the crutches to somebody. I'd sort of, you know, talk it out and do what I had to do. And then um, they'd give me the crutches. But what happened was when they got the scene, they would just walk away. And I'd be like standing there. You know? <laughs> that's when I found out in the business. People don't care. I mean, it's when I when I broke my, my leg, I'm laying on the ground and uh, and it shattered. I mean, my, my foot is under my knee. They had just, you know, oh and I'm God. laying there, and uh, they had a little meeting. They were standing over me, and they said, uh, you know, what do you think? And I said, no, it, it, you think he's going to be able to? They said, no, are you kidding? This is really bad. I mean, he's, he's really screwed that up. So uh, he said, well, what do we do? So, wow. And the, 
<laughs> wardrobe guy came over and they took the because I was wearing all this jewelry. They took the jewelry off of me. They, <laughs> oh you know, God. they they started doing their day out of days when the guy and somebody looked over me and said, "Well, you know, we got it. We got it. What are we going to do with? It? We got to get him out of here." So, well, do you need to take him to the hospital? We, we should call an ambulance. He says, "No, no, I I got my car here." So, <laughs> so. <laughs> So they they pulled the car up and they went they lifted me up to put me in the car but they didn't lift the bottom part of my leg up and I and I black oh. I just went out. Oh and uh and it was really bad. I got to the hospital and when I finally I mean I was just uh I called my agent and she's I got great news for you. You just got cast in this movie shooting in Arizona and I'm like uh but I uh, just broke my leg and I'm in a and wow. So when I came out of that um uh, I got a part on uh, this thing called Black Sheep Squadron with um, Robert Conrad and Peter Frampton. He was making mm. his uh, he was in his acting debut. Peter Frampton. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, we, I was this island. They were in the South Pacific, and I was this uh-huh. island guy who was helping him. And he was fighting the resistance. Shirley Ralph played mm-hmm. my daughter, and uh, right. but I had literally just got the cast off. My leg was like half the size. And it was really uh, tender, and but I got uh-huh. gas in this thing. And I'm trying to do the best I can, but they, but I'm an islander, so I'm wearing this skirt so you can see my leg, and one leg oh, is, like, is really. No. But we're climbing hills. And so, oh Lord! And I'm and and I, I'm afraid to say I can't do it because I'm thinking I'm going to lose the job. And then finally right. he says, "Well, okay, you're running from uh, you know oh, the Germans, so running? we want you to uh, uh, pick her up." So I picked up oh, Cheryl, Lord. who's not a small person, and carried mm. her down the hill. And all the while, I'm th- my leg mm. is aching, and I'm thinking I'm going to break it again. Um, yeah, but, what could uh, go wrong? Anyway, so that's uh, yeah, that's incredible. I had no idea. I no, I had no idea any of this happened. This is totally inspiring. Talk about perseverance! Wow. Well, you know, it, it's well, life happens. I mean, I I, I had that yes. cast on. I kept. You know, I kept hoping that I could get it off. They said maybe it might be, you know, three months, four months, maybe six months. It, it was like about seven uh-huh. or eight months. But I, uh, I, while I had the cast on, I went in. There was an after-school special. Oh, you know what? I'd gotten cast in this thing before I broke the leg, and then, mm. um, and then they, they, uh, they, you know, they said no, we have to recast because you got a broken leg and you got the thing on. And then I said, yeah, but you know what? And I went in this whole spiel about, you know, think about it. He's the he's the uh, high school coach. You know, what I mean, his job is to make sure that his students are safe. And so if right. they see him in a cast, that lets them know that even he can make a mistake. So they should really avoid it. He's there to teach them. And what better lesson than to have him in a cast? Said, right. Oh, That's great. What they, they say? Said, we never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic so i fantastic. i kept the job and uh i worked i worked during the whole time i had the the cast on but that's amazing you know and it's it's interesting how you were your performances were being noted you know people were noticing that you had some skill and some talent would you attribute that because I found out that you, I mean, you mentioned that you had attended Yale, uh, the, the, the drama school there. Um, you, you got a full ride, I read. Yeah, um, yeah. Did you really learn your, I mean, did they take your craft to another level when you went no, there? 
No. No? no oh, it was really? probably the worst thing. I should probably, if I had to do oh. it again, I'd, I'd gotten a scholar, uh, except at the University of Iowa in a playwriting program, which I really kind of wanted to do. But I'd seen Ronald Reagan oh. in a movie where he had a Yale sweat, uh, a Yale sweater on, and I thought, wow, okay. Ronald Reagan can go. I mean, it's got to be, you know, really kind of cool. And um, right, right. So um, I had uh, you didn't learn you anything know, there? Uh, no. So I got into <laughs> Yale, and by just the weirdest coincidences, I, in fact, when I applied at Yale, it was. It was uh, after the deadline. Oh. I sent my uh, application in, and uh, and they they re of course rejected it because I was like two months past the deadline. Okay, and so uh, <laughs> so I uh, I really wanted to go, so I called and I got the director of admissions, a guy named mm -hmm. Howard Stein, and um, and I asked. I said, I know he explained that it was maybe to apply next year, and I said, yeah, but you know, I'm coming to um, New Haven. And I'm wondering if I can get, a, get an appointment with you. And I said, I'd just like to come in and just get your advice. Can I just talk to you? If you can just, you know, give me a few moments. He said, so he gave me this appointment. I wasn't going to New mm -hmm. Haven, but my wife, who was then, um, had just gotten a job as a, a librarian. And she was, mm -hmm. had a, there was a convention in Pittsburgh. So I was going to right. Pittsburgh and I thought, well, if we go to Pittsburgh, then we can go up to New Haven. I mean, how far apart can it be? I mean, it shows I'm, you know. So we right. packed up the kids in the Volkswagen and we went to Pittsburgh and then went the, for uh -huh. that weekend. And then I had the appointment for Monday morning. So we drove up to New Haven, checked in the hotel right. for the night and uh, got out the next uh, morning. And I went to my appointment um, and it was a parking space right in front. So I went in and I saw him and he explained that the money had already been allocated. Uh, there was nothing. He appreciated me. He read a couple of my scripts and thought they were very oh. good. Um, oh. Really encouraged me to apply next year. And I was saying, yeah, but I really need to go now. And, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, and he just, he was so annoyed with me. He just turned his back to me. He said, well, that, I'm sorry. And he looked out the window and um, my kids had gotten out of the car and they were playing on the lawn and we had our little bags uh -huh. in there. And he said, is that your, is that your car out there with the, the kids? I said, yeah, those are those are my kids. He said, he said you drove here, and I said, you don't understand. It's this is the most important thing in my life. That this, yeah, I, all I'm asking for is a chance. I did the whole thing, and he just right, looked right. at me. He said, well, thanks for coming in. And so we got in our car and we drove back to Detroit. We thought, you know, we'd never been to Niagara Falls, and we had like. <laughs> about $40 <laughs> left. And so we thought, let's just go there. So we went to Niagara Falls yeah, why not? and we drove Beautiful. and we got home. We got to Detroit. We, the phone was ringing when I went in and it was Yale calling to say right. I had been accepted. And, uh, wow. And that's how I got into Yale, but Yale wasn't the best experience because yeah, uh, they, they, there were some black students there, but they weren't used to black students who look like me, apparently who, you know, I mean, I was, this was doing, um, you know, um, the black power, you know, time I was wearing, I had a long mm. black leather coat. I had a black beret. I was brilliant. Oh, you did. Yeah, I was. Oh, really? You no know, attitude for days and the little sensitive, <laughs> like what did that mean? You know? So I wasn't average student. I mean, I tried no. to fit in, but it was kind of awkward. I got yeah. stopped by the police literally. <laughs> Jeez. All the time. All the I time. Bet. I mean, all the time. New Haven yeah. is, you know, Yale is right in the middle of this. 
insanity and uh the police uh mm. they 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 gave me uh you know i got stopped at quite a bit i was at uh i was wow. in the cafeteria i had my you know my meal pass mm-hmm. and i'm sitting there in a meeting and then all of a sudden these police come in and they um they accused they, they have taken me out i wasn't a student there and i said i was and i showed them my id and i had to go through this whole long thing they kind of take me out and i kind of you know, talk them down. And finally I had convinced them that I am a student. I belong here. And, um, it was really awkward and embarrassing. Found out the lady who, uh, when you go and you check in with, it was a black lady. She thought I didn't belong there. So she called the police on me. So yeah, she, was, that works at Yale. It works at Yale. Yeah. She's <laughs> wow. So it was, um, I mean, it was good. The classes were amazing. Uh, Yale Doctorow was, uh, one of the instructors, uh, it was it was a great it was a great experience on one hand on the other hand I really wasn't prepared you know I mean I I, I went to a school system that uh, didn't even uh, allow us to take uh, high school algebra I mean you know uh, we had shop math and, you know I was mm-hmm. uh, part of a uh, it was a school that uh, had this tracking system and all of the black kids except for one or two was in this program that was just you know, track to to fail. I mean, I mean that. Mm-hmm. I, li- I literally didn't have an eighth grade English. So my going to Incredible. Wayne State is me sort of figuring out how do I make it through this, and I can I could figure it out at Wayne. When I got to Yale, it was a whole other level. These kids were prepared. They they had stuff in kindergarten that I never even heard of. But, right. you know, I held my own. I did. I mean, what it would take them, you know, an hour to write a paper. It took me two days but right, um right. but it was it was um it just was yeah it was it just wasn't the the best experience but you know i was figured uh you know i was there and uh I, but i did i did some acting i, I work at the mm-hmm. cabaret they have a small theater i did uh a play there i did a play on the uh the yale repertory theater um mm-hmm. So even though I, I was a playwright, I was still acting, uh, mm-hmm. which was not, it was two black actors in the program who weren't really happy with me because I was getting the better roles. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so after the first year, uh, I went to, uh, came home to my family in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And literally when I just got there, I got a call from Cliff, my friend who was doing, uh, that's when I went to California. and, and Oh, so, uh, but when I got Lead Belly, Lead Belly was starting the same time that uh, Yale was starting. And so I had to make a decision to take this movie that was going to be shooting wow. in Texas or go back to Yale, which wasn't uh, the happiest place. I just, uh, and I would have gone back because my ex-wife and I, we had this idea of, you know, teaching and we were going to be, mm. you know, and, but I'm like, I'm, I'm want, you know, I'm an actor and I'd rather do it than teach it. So, um, I right. went to, um, I went to, uh, Texas to do the movie and, and very thankful that I did. Yeah. Well, wh- where did you really learn your acting chops? You know, well, where did you learn the craft? You know, really, really, um, community, uh, black, Theater, street theater, guerrilla theater mm. in Detroit. Mm. I mean, I was mm. on stage mm. constantly, all the time. And of course, mm. the the classes, you know, uh, at uh, Wayne State were great. I mean, they they have a mm. wonderful uh, theater program there. 
Um, and I, and that was oh, probably the basis for everything, but I was, I was always on stage. I mean, I, mm. I don't think there was a period the whole time I was at Wayne that I wasn't, that I wasn't, I wasn't on stage, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And these were, these were, yeah. So it was, yeah, that was, it was Detroit. You know, I didn't get, I didn't get much mm-hmm. from, uh, from, from Yale. It was a wonderful school and all that, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I really never felt a part of that. I it's, it's, I mean, it sounds like a lot of it is natural and a lot of it was just being on the, on the court playing, you know, doing it, doing yeah, it, doing again, it, and doing again, it and, and, and just testing yeah. your boundaries and honing your craft over yeah. years. I mean, yeah. You, you know, I think it's always reaching for the best, I, you know, I think not just in terms of acting, but I think just in terms of life, you know, we, we, we make choices and you realize those weren't the best choices. So you strive to make better choices. You know, you, you listen, mm-hmm. you always reach for, I always found like in rehearsal, I don't like to hold back. I mean, you know, you want to put everything out there because that's when you learn what really doesn't work. You know, if you don't right, go right. there, you got to go there. So totally. it's, it's always and be willing to make a mistake make a mistake and get out there. And the audiences, especially in Detroit during those days, you know, they they weren't forgiving, you know. So, you know, <laughs> if, if it wasn't working, you'd hear it, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, that was yeah. Detroit was where I and uh, and the guys, the people, that family that I met that. Um, Right, you know, right. I'm still very close to, you know, our main people right, that right. I work with a lot of people. I tend not to get close to people, but the people that I started with in Detroit, they're still yeah. the ones who are still around. They're still uh, my best friends. I mean, I, I you know, that's a pre- that seems to be a reoccurring theme with actors. I've heard, um, you know, about I just saw this documentary about uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and they, they had a freestyle, a love supreme documentary on Hulu. And he talked about this this theater rap singing group that these guys all did that all. And all of a sudden, like you see all of them in Hamilton. I'm like, what? Yeah. And this is seems to be. Um, and what was the gentleman's name who was in uh, Shawshank with Tim Robbins? Oh, yeah. He had he he spoke of this, and you know he I think he's an incredible yeah, actor. Yeah. But something you said before really struck me about wanting to break away from the religious structure right. and wanting to see behind the curtain was that part of your impetus to want to act and want to write? It seems like that's a natural do- would naturally dovetail or lead to wanting to explore the human condition, which a lot of what acting kind of is. Yeah, I think so. I think it's very hard to, it's very hard to see things in a a very locked in way. You have to be willing to, to open up other possibilities or, you know, things that you would never consider, but if you're playing a character who did consider those things, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't judge that character. You know, you can say these are things that I would never do, but I'm playing someone who did do that. So, Right. You know, so you got to be open. And how do you how does that person? They certainly didn't think about it the way I think about it. So I think it forces you to open yourself up. Uh, and I think church for me, uh, organized religion, it it locks you in, you know, it, in mm-hmm. a strange way. I believe in um, the way I was taught, I think, as a kid is love unites, love joins, love pulls us together. Mm-hmm. And hate or it what separates us, 
You know, it's, mm. it's the uniting thing that, um, and church in its own way, you know, separates us. It's the saints against the sinners. It's the good against the bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's this constant mm-hmm. war. And I, and I, I just believe that we're all, all of it, but we strive for the light. You know, we, we're constantly growing. We're constantly learning. And, um, and it's no, uh, there's no harm, no sin in failure or making a mistake. You know, and mm-hmm. I love the, the the mistake because as an actor, you know, in movies, we do these takes. And if it wasn't a good right. take, just do another one. And you do another right, one, right. you know, and however many takes you need to get it right. But you're always striving to get it right. And, um, yes. you know, and, and what's right is what feels right, what is what works for everybody. Um, and that's kind of the core of my belief. And in my church, I felt a lot of people were not there it was they were very judgmental you know the bible says Mm -hmm. judge not that you be not judged and so that's the hardest thing for me is not to the fact that i don't understand something makes me want to judge it and i realize that i can't think for somebody else so uh, but yeah that i think uh and being in acting is something that i think the church that i grew up in they're very proud of the fact that i've become a successful actor but um Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't something that I think they'd encourage, you know. I never played sports because yeah. uh, it was against the church rules. We didn't, oh. yeah, you didn't compete. Now, of course, really? they have a, a church oh, basketball team. But back in the days when I was oh. a kid in church in the 50s, I mean, it started out very strict. I mean, women had to cover their heads and you couldn't wear makeup. And now, of course, it's a fashion show when you go. But it's, um, <laughs> you know, things have the church has evolved. I know just you what know you mean. It's, I, you know, I my dad, you know, he 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 dragged me to a lot of uh, churches in the African American community growing up. Yeah. So I've seen it yeah, firsthand. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I know what you mean. It's like it's an event. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. a seen and be seen event. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it always struck me as kind of strange. You know, you know, I also was wondering though. It's it's interesting given your 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 really interesting journey that winding journey where I like you know it seemed like you had no hope and then all of a sudden like one little thing happens you leave a picture on a piano or something and then next thing you know you're cast in this movie I mean did this heighten your spirituality but maybe lessen your affinity for the the church or organized religion would that be safe to say Well you know I appreciate um organized religion i get it but what i i don't get is it seems to be saying to me that there's something you have to do to earn this my my grandmother mm. told me that it is a part of you it of course you know there are places you can go mm. and where you can learn more and grow and that's what church should be about you know but mm-hmm. but that you don't have to do something it's 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 spirit is in everyone it you know you don't have to qualify right. for it you can turn away from it you can ignore it you can you know, not be right. aware but it's still there waiting for you to and so for me not knowing and even now i i don't trust the the, the people in the industry um the bible says put not your trust in man i i i just know the universe will deliver and it's always mm. been someone who i least expected the ones who i've gone out of mm-hmm. my way and done the most for they're not the ones who show up when i really mm-hmm. needed it you know so um <laughs> yeah I, I think um it was a, a time when i just knew 
the way I felt, and I'm not saying this about uh, all churches because I haven't been to all churches, but I just felt like um, to be, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to be in that that little community of, you know, he's a sinner and he failed and we should kick him out of the church mm-hmm. or we should, right. you know, my pastor, he would get up and he would call you out. You know, wow. so and so, you was going there. They said you was in and you did this. And I was like, oh, you know. Oh, my God. You didn't put up how much money? You didn't put but $10 in offer. You, oh, you're making, here we go. You're making $20 an hour. And you, you, all you put in, it's like, what? You know, people are looking at them, you know. Wow. So the pastor yeah. was a close, you know, he talked to God and the rest of them, I guess. I, I just couldn't get to, you know, we, we had a poor folks offering. They call it a poor folks offering. So every time we went to church, wow. they do a little collection for the poor folk. And then uh, uh-huh. when I was probably about 15, maybe, maybe younger, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was in junior high, so it might have been a little younger. But um, we hit a spell where we had no money. <laughs> right, and we right. had no money because my grandmother um, pledged to give the pastor so much money to go to this trip in Memphis and she gave him the money, oh, goodness. but then she had some money that she had done laundry or something and the people didn't pay her. And we were out, oh. we were out of food. We had nothing to eat. We were, wow. we had to wait until the first when she got a check. And this is like six days or something. And, um, and she didn't know what to do. And she was really just torn up about it. So mm. we talked and we talked about everything we talked and she said, I'm going to have to go and ask the pastor. And I said, no, mom, don't, you know, she said, no, we we have. So she went and talked to the pastor's wife and explained our situation mm-hmm. and asked for help. And so this is a Tuesday night and we're sitting, and I would sit on the front pew and we're sitting oh, there yeah. in church and the church is wrapping up closing service. And then the pastor's wife gets up and she says, uh, folks, uh, before we go, you know, Mother Donald is my grandmother uh, mm-hmm. and her son Poochie, that was me. They, oh, they don't have okay. any food and they, and she was just pleading for us. And it was so embarrassing. It was just so oh, embarrassing. My gosh. So she said, can I'm we sure. uh, raise some money to help them? And they raised like $3 and 70 cent. Uh, wow. And I'm, and I'm thinking, what happened to the poor folks offering? I mean, we raised, <laughs> we, we, who, get, who are those poor folk who took all the money because, and it wasn't, it wasn't. And then my grandmother felt like, and then, um, so we, oh, we, wow. we went home that night and we sat and we had some, um, some crackers. We got some crackers and, uh, we're sitting mm-hmm. there and she felt really bad about it. I said, mom, you know, we don't, I'm, I, we, we don't, I'm, we're going to be fine. And, and just, you know, mm-hmm. and so we just sat there in silence and it was just this amazing moment that I felt so connected to her. And so I went on a fast. Mm-hmm. The first time I went on a fast, I went mm-hmm. on a five day oh. fast. That I, How I old were you? About? And I was probably I was in junior high in eighth grade, so whatever okay, that okay. is, thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I found very it was very interesting because I was really kind of tired and exhausted the first couple of days, but after three days, I felt fine. You had energy. You know, I, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, and I was amazing. like I was alert, and so since then I fast every year. I go on a fast, huh. and but it really it took away that fear of you going to die because some people think if I don't eat every day, I'm going to die. And you realize yeah, well, that, no, you know, that, um, so it was one of the best things that happened to me, but uh, it was kind of, there was, sometimes you're forced into that space of, I, can't, I right. can't go any further. Right. And so I have to, I have to turn it over to the universe. I have to ask, you know, 
I have to entrust that the answer will be there. But mm-hmm. when, if you can't get to that place and you make the decision, that's when you go out and rob somebody. That's when you go out and do something really stupid because you think right. I got to right. do something. I'm like, no, it's time for me to just be still and trust. Right. And, and it always comes. But sometimes I have to be forced to that place. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. Well, it was... You know, it, it's so interesting when you were talking about uh, being in the religious environment, how, you know, a lot of the the leaders of religious environments will try to make life, you know, cut it into black and white, good, bad. Yeah. And, you know, as we all know, as we get older, it's way more nuanced than that. And everybody's got the capacity to be good and bad and everything in between. But it must be really liberating to be an actor now because you have really and you said, yeah, I could try stuff out like I just watched you. In the family business. Oh, yeah, yeah. And boy, that's a complex character. Could you talk a little bit about that? Did you help develop that character first yeah, of all? Well, it's based on a series of books. A guy named Carl Weber. Okay, um, right, yeah, right. Carl, he, and I don't know how many books are in the series, but um, uh, so it's, you know, it's it's his thing. He writes all the shows, and uh, but I love the character. I love the family, the love of the family, you know, do what you have to do. And I knew guys like that. It's never been... I've never been to that place. You know what I mean? That place sure, that, um, sure. when I was a, a kid, I fought a lot. I mean, I was, I loved mm. to fight. I would beat people up. Really? You know what I mean? I think because, <laughs> I think, I, this is shocking. Well, I would have never yeah, imagined. No, I was, uh, you're the nicest, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Well, you know, when I was a kid, because people would, <laughs> well, they knew first off, I didn't have a father. So they would look at me funny. Oh, and I thought right. they were oh, putting me oh. down. I was always oh, I suspicious I of people. I didn't go around people gotcha. with their, especially with their dads, because sometimes the dads, I could beat them up, but I couldn't beat the dads up. So right. I was always cautious. And, uh, but I, I, I would fight. I finally got to a point where I couldn't fight without feeling it myself. Mm. And, uh, and you begin to learn that what you give out is what you receive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got into a fight as a, as an adult. So I, I, you begin to learn that, you you make other choices. You don't go to that place. And as an mm. adult, I uh, I went out with a lady who uh, was separated from her husband, and her husband found us, and and he oh. uh, we got into this fight on the streets. And um, oh lord! And so it turned into a, a bad thing where he uh, went uh, to his car to get his gun, and oh. we ran into a friend's house, and uh, he was downstairs knocking uh banging on the door it's at one o'clock at night and my friend said ernie what you know you got to deal with this man so he gives me his gun to go down and face this guy here we go you know and so the whole situation turns out but what i found when i we were actually in the street fighting he couldn't fight very well but every time i hit him it just hurt me Every time, I, every time, I, I just I felt so bad for him because uh-huh. it, I just I you know it just yeah I, there are places you can't go you know if you mm-hmm. empathize if you feel that and I felt his pain and I knew exactly you know what he was feeling I knew why wow. he was fighting me I, I knew I had uh-huh. to defend myself but see as right, a kid sure. I wouldn't have even you just you know I'm sorry. <clears throat> I was taught you just take him out as quickly as possible. So, right. But I cu- I couldn't do that. Um, yeah. So family business. So I love that character who 
you know, it's just we, we do what we got to do. You know, we do it for the family. But even he yeah, and- has issues. He has, you know, you can put up that hard front, but underneath it all, it's still you got to live with it. Well, you know, it was, it's such a nuanced character. For those of you who don't know, uh, Ernie Hudson plays the a role of a, a, a man that uh, operates a very successful exotic car business on the surface, but yet is running drugs uh, below the surface. And he is an incredibly uh, insightful and excellent tactician with running his business. And he runs it through his family and he's extremely... You know, he's, he's like the godfather, kind of, like, uh, so to speak. And he's rough, and he's tough. Now, this is a car. <laughs> Show good taste. Why don't you get inside? Feel how the leather hugs you. You're kidding me, right? Get in. I promise you've never experienced anything like it. All right. She looks good on you. How would you like to own this baby? You're not serious, right? This is one expensive piece of machinery. I've never been more serious in my life. If our business arrangements proves lucrative, in six months, the car is yours. That is, as long as you stay the hell away from my daughter. If you touch her, if you so much as look at her the way you looked at her today, I'll put your lungs out through your nostrils. Just any of this, bad repeating. But he's also very kind and caring and sincere. Harris, you have always been a great son-in-law. But today, you have become as much my child as any of the others. From now on, don't you do me a favor? What's that? Call me Bob. And so, but, you know, I thought, wow, that looks like a fun role for you yeah. to play. Yeah. Because it's so multifaceted. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's, yeah, you you look for that. I've always looked for that. And I've always looked, you know, I think as an actor, you, I was looking at Jack Plants in City Slickers. You know, he had this amazing career, but he never found that role. And then he played this character and it was an amazing character. And you saw, I mean, you just, you just saw him just... I mean, that's what he had been his whole career waiting to do this role. And so and mm, for me mm. on stage to do uh, the Jack Jefferson character in Great White Hope, was, mm. that was that, you know, that's when you when it all kind of comes together. And I haven't found that right, uh, right. In, in TV and film yet. But you have it. Wow. No, I was just going to ask you. OK, for for a lot of the stuff, it's they don't want all of you. You know, you're here right. to service right. the lead here. You're here to bring in some information. Uh, we don't right. want to see, you don't want, they don't want all of that. They want you to, yeah. So it's very difficult. And a lot of the work I've taken mm-hmm. in the past because of the money. It's like, okay, I got this job. Sure, pay sure. Me and I right. need the money and uh, it's not about me. It's about, and even if I'm one of the leads in it, I know that they want the, or I believe they want to focus somewhere else. Now, some of those choices right. I might have made, and I might not have had to make them. And I've grown mm. to the point now, mm-hmm. just saying, you know what? I'm just going to be. Uh, I, I I have to do this the way I know it has to be done, as opposed to trying to accommodate. You know, uh-huh. you kind of go. Ah, I don't see it that way, but you know, I'll I'll 
do that. I'll stretch as far right. as I can right, 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 to right. keep uh, the studios happy. And um, and and I don't, um, you know, I I, I, well, I wouldn't do that now. But uh, but before it was about you know keeping the work and sure, sure. Um, yeah, that sounds really yeah. liberating. But, uh, I mean, were yeah. you, did you have, you were an executive, I mean, you are, I don't know yeah. if the show is still running, but you're an executive producer. Yeah, we're running. In fact, uh, I, fly, I fly out of town um, on Sunday in a couple Oh, of, that's what you're flying yeah, for. Yeah, we, uh, we shut down oh. halfway for the, we had 13 show pickup and uh, we only okay. did six and then the okay. pandemic hit and we had to shut down. So we're going back to finish up the rest of the season. Mm. Very popular. People love the show. I love the characters, mm. the, the kids who are playing my family. Uh, uh, Valerie uh, Pettiford plays my wife. She's she's wonderful, amazing. <laughs> you want some salad? Orlando Junior Chippy. LC, we in the kitchen, honey. What's going on? What's wrong? Where's Orlando? I haven't seen him, Pop. Go find him now. Get Lou over here, too. Go wake up, Harris. LC, what's going on? We're at war, Chippy. We're in goddamn war. Chamomile, hey. a little brandy, calm the nerves. Uh, thanks. Someone's pulling a lot of strings to put us out of business. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can fill our orders. One thing you haven't considered, that young boy we saw today. I don't trust the man that boy represents. Neither do I. But I don't think we have a choice. It's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to play, and it's it's just yeah. I I love I love that character. Yeah. So every, every show is just why I love acting. Every show is a little bit different. Every character is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's so subtle mm -hmm. that people. You know, but but as an actor, you know, it's not the one, you know, it's but I, I, I love that. That's the part of the work that I really like the most. Well, you know, it was also when I was watching the family business, it also reminded me of your character in The Substitute when uh, with Tom Berenger, I think you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tom, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was. um, Yeah, he well, played a principal. Yeah, principal. Yeah. And he was but he was kind of. Uh, yeah, he was. Well, he didn't have his money. Well, yeah, he was a little bit nastier, I think, than uh, than than Elsie. Elsie, Elsie has LC some integrity. Yeah, he's rough, but yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, but he has his his ethics. You know, however he developed yes. those, but he has some kind yes. of code. Whereas in the substitute, he's, this yeah. guy was. Uh, he's got a rationale for his behavior yeah, for sure. Elsie yeah. does, yes. You know. But in the substitute, you know, you're running drugs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, through the school. Right. And there's this one scene with you and Mark Anthony where you're really pissed off at him, and he plays the character of a gang leader that actually works for you that goes to the high school. Did you rip off Johnny Glaze last night? A lot of me and I ripped your fucking hair off. Me? Did you tell anybody about the bar last night? Anybody? Look at me, goddammit. I did what the fuck I was supposed to do, man, and I split. You think those fucking Indians want me knowing their business? It was somebody found out. It would have been real deep shit. It was just so interesting to see you play, because you're very convincing at playing, you know, like a statesman type of a, a role where you're an official, you're in an official capacity. You just give off this air of authority and just, 
you know, like you've got it handled. You, you, you just do that naturally. So to play, to see you play as part of your character, you know, someone who's, you got some nefarious intentions and doing some stuff that's not on the up and up is, was really, really interesting to see you play. And I, I would imagine it, it's liberating. So like, you know, with what, what's your role besides being an actor on the family business? I'm curious as an executive producer, what kind of things do you weigh in on well, character yeah, development know, or scripts? Well, I do, but I, I really trust Carl. And so basically okay. as executive producer, um, why am I executive producer? You know, I, because, <laughs> because uh, and I'm at a stage in life where I'm not interested really in taking on too much. People say, you know, you can do. I'm like, you know right. what? I'm I, I got I have nothing to prove anymore. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. worry about some kind of legacy. I just, you know, right. I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm just now learning who my wife is. You're free. I'm yeah. I'm just. Uh, but uh, that's beautiful. This show. Um, in order for it to get to where it is on TV and get made, um, mm. my involvement. So what I brought to I, make it happen, which is why I'm one of the producers. And I, I do weigh in, but uh, uh, we got, um, um, you know, Indy Brown, who produces the show. is a wonderful team. Uh, Trey uh, uh, Haley, who is uh, directs most of the shows. It's a, it's a great team. Uh, and I just mm-hmm. trust all of them. Yeah, so I do what's what uh, anything that I need to help in any area that I can. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, but they're they're uh, amazing people, and um, and it's covered. And you know we're on BET, which is you know yeah, uh, which is kind of interesting, you know. But um, well, how so? How well, so? I mean, if you know, as opposed to you know Sony, which you know. Sure, sure. As the money, you know, with right, the, right, the money, right. It's like, okay, all right, this is nice, but uh, how much right, money right, is this? Because right. you know, I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, like right. I said, but that, I mean, that's it, a, it, that prayer that I didn't pray. It's it shows up and <laughs> shows like this. But uh, you know, you said so. You 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 you've said so many things that are striking me. I, I'm I'm having a tough time categorizing and prioritizing what I want to ask you. But you said something that really struck me in terms of with a more you know now you're freed up and you you say what's on your mind and you you know act accordingly, which is a beautiful place to be. But um, you know, with studio productions, you have less leeway. But I would imagine with independent productions you have a little bit more leeway. Like they probably want more of you. Is that true? Yeah. You know, but I, I tried your input. Um, like when we did man in the silo, for those who don't mm-hmm. know, uh, we, uh, Steve is a producer and, um, we, we had a, a, a wonderful time with that, but I trust, uh, Phil Donlin. Uh, I'd like to trust the director. I don't, I, it's hard to work with someone you don't trust. And I, and that was, a, that's what's know, so amazing to me. You, you didn't know us at all we came up to you in the middle of a news interview which i didn't even know yeah and we pitched this thing to you and next thing you know we're meeting you the next day for lunch and for some reason you trusted us yeah and yeah we felt really we felt really connected with you and it was one of those you know like you know those things that happen in your life like you leaving the photograph on the right on the piano it was one of those things like Man, we needed to meet this guy. Well, that, that's that's yeah. how it felt, and I think that's how to me that's how the universe works. I mean, it, it works that way for, um, you know, on my behalf 
But sometimes it uses me to work on the behalf of someone else. And I think that we have to uh, be available. So when you guys came to me and you said, I have this thing, and I'm like, um, there's something about you. I mean, I, I can't say that anybody <laughs> walking up. I, I believe you're competent. I believe that you, but but I, yeah, you know, that uh, that this oh, is what, I, this is what I, I need to make this happen. And uh, even yeah. though sometimes it's a challenge, when they want you to come to friggin' Chicago and Wisconsin, shoot in a silo in winter in December, but oh my God. you commit to it. Oh my and God! Wanna, and I, I believe once you, I believe as an actor, all you have is yes or no, and if it's yes, then Man. you need to be there. And I never want to undermine a director unless I have no faith in it. In which case, then yeah, I say, you yeah. know, I'm sorry, I'm not. But I, I really want to to. Uh, you know, help him create his vision and the produce. I want to be right, there right. in a team player way. And because we're telling the story. It was incredible. It was, I, well, I mean, for those, just to re recount, we were at a film festival. We met Ernie Hudson in the middle of a Maserati dealership in the middle of a party. And we're pitching him a script when the music is going, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And so, but the way I interrupted the interview, which apparently he was being uh, interviewed, Ernie was being interviewed by a local TV news team, which I didn't even notice the camera. I was so focused on pitch because we were surrounding him right. and ready to make our move. And the interviewer said, well, what are you up to next? He's like, I'm just looking to find the next project. And I stepped in the interview and I said, well, my name's Steve Wardire. This is Phil Donlin, and we think we have a, a project for you. And next thing you know, for the next 30 minutes, he's uh, we're talking to him. And and I'm just staring everybody down while Phil pitches in the script. So, well, it, And then it, we met the next... Well, it would be hard in the middle of the interview to say, get the hell away from me. You know, it's got... It's got <laughs> It doesn't play well on TV, but but it, you seemed generally interested or just extremely polite, or maybe you're just a hell of an actor, which you are. But uh, no, no, but I, yeah. it was amazing that you listened. You listened, and then we had this meeting. But what was so fascinating, and I'll never forget this, Ernie, was that in the very beginning of shooting. I got word that you were questioning the lack of coverage that Phil was shooting because he was shooting this, the man in the silo, which is available on Amazon Prime, for those of you who don't know, is uh, it's atypical. He wasn't getting traditional coverage and he was, was not shooting it in a traditional way. I thought, what would it be like to shoot a film that's a visual nightmare? Um, and not do the typical coverage. So I didn't want to do, um, and when I say typical coverage, um, close-up, two-shot, wide-shot, you know, and that's what it consists of, and that's what most movies do. I said, well, let's do just one shot that takes us into the next, that takes us into the next, and I remember Ernie, when he first got on set, cause he's like, who are these crazy dudes? He's like, when's my close-up coming? I'm like, I, I'm, uh, you don't have one. So he's like, what? You know, and, and I mean, because it was a very odd way to sort of shoot a, a movie, <clears throat> but um, that's what I wanted to feel like. I wanted the whole film to feel surreal, dreamlike. And so you you asked the first AD a couple of times to ask Phil, "Are you sure you don't want to reverse a close up?" Da da da. And Phil's like, "No, yeah, I don't." Yeah. And I know exactly what I want. And he finally he was a little bit taken up. Uh, taken aback by your inquiries which was fascinating to me but you actually kind of encouraged him and said hey look man this is the way it is you're the director i'm here i'm gonna give what i can or something to that effect and you just put wind is wind in his sails and he got really confident and i gotta tell you i think 
honestly, I've watched a lot of your films. Obviously, I'm biased. I worked on the film and I worked really hard on it. But I think it's one of your finest performances. And it includes In the Family Business, Hand That Rocked the Crate, Rocks the Cradle, um, In Oz. I mean, you, you, especially when you break down in the, in the silo, it was just remarkable. Because I was the only guy in the silo. Right. I don't know I if remember you remember that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody cleared everybody yeah. out. And I had no idea the intensity that you were going to unleash at that moment. And I actually, this, this wave of fear ran through my body as dust was being like shot into my eyes because you were hitting the bat on the ground and you were just so angry. You're so upset and pissed off and just distraught on a whole nother level. <laughs> And, and I was like, I was like, kind of like a little bit shaken. I mean, and then you went to a place and you were there. And I was like, Phil, man, I don't, I think you need to talk to Ernie. Could you talk a little bit about how did you get to that place? I always wondered, and where did you go mentally? Because it took you like five to 10 minutes to even say a word. I'll never forget that. And I never had experienced anything like that. And I saw it up close, and I still get moved when I see it on screen. Could you talk about the process, how you get to that place, and how to come out of it? You know, I, I don't. It's funny with acting because I, you know, people have asked me what I, you know, teach classes or give workshops, and I, I'm I'm not very good at you know uh, criticizing or instructing anyone. You know, I don't know how you do what you do you know what i mean it's like the baseball player mm. i don't know how i hit the ball i just hit the ball you know so but uh -huh. i think there's a place where you have to let go and go with spirit i mean i i don't mm. know any there's a place when you know we try to hold on we try to control even a lot of times in the work with acting you say it you want to say it a certain way you're aware of mm. you're aware of your surroundings you're aware of um you know how you're delivering it. You're you're aware of things in in film, especially. Uh, it's a little easier in in on stage because on stage you're kind of you have to be in that moment. But in film, because you know you can control it. If it doesn't work, you can do it again and again and again. But I think as an actor, there's a place where you just have to be there and and show up in the present. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, you can't really. You can rehearse around it, but mm -hmm. you're not sure yourself where this is going. You just mm -hmm. you're you're a part of. It doesn't happen very often, you know. But right. you you try to you just have to let go, and uh, and try to try to just get to the integrity of the character, um, and uh, and and you hope it works. And sometimes maybe it doesn't. Maybe sometimes it doesn't fit or whatever. Oh, yeah, the director well, I, uses something else that uh, and the, the people never see that particular take. But I think, uh, and I know in that one, we just, I, I, we just had to, we just had to kind of, we had to show up. You know, you, you just had to mm -hmm. show up. Well, you know, it, it's interesting how I would imagine, you know, certain directors that you click with give you the space, whether it's 
consciously or subconsciously to be free in that moment. I mean, obviously, you seem to be very free yeah, with making that yeah. film, and you and Phil seem to connect in a very unique way because he, you know, I, I, I think he's a talented actor, and and you guys uh, appeared again in High and Outside, yeah, which he got yeah. you in the baseball movie, and and he told me about that scene before I saw it, where you're the manager in High and Outside, and you're cutting. His character was a minor league baseball player from the team, and finally I say, "Look, you, you know, it's time to hang up the cleats," which is a very tough, tough thing to hear for any athlete that has aspirations to go to the major right. leagues, which he was very close to, and his father did. But the way you were able to be so forceful, at the same time being absolutely so compassionate and humane, was really in the same scene was was really remarkable to me. Oh well, thanks. Yeah. Hey, Skip. Come in. Shut the door. Sit. Thanks. So, how's your old man holding up? He's all right. He's good. You know, second stroke kind of wiped him out, but he's uh, he's hanging in there. So, I'm gonna be straight up with you. I gotta let you go. Billy. I mean, I'm hitting it hard. I'm just hitting it right at him. I brought you on as a favor to your old man. But you're just at that stage where you're not putting up numbers. All right, I don't hit 300, don't steal 10 bags, I'll retire. I'm sorry, Bill. This, this is it. Doesn't make any fucking sense, man. No. Actually, it does. You wanted me to fail, now you got what you wanted, so I failed. I'm releasing you because you can't fucking play anymore, okay? You're not hitting. You couldn't hit water. Fuck, if you fell out of a boat. It's fucked, man. I only been thrown out once this year, once. That's it. Yeah, you're a base stealer. But correct me if I'm wrong. Hell, you, you can't steal first base. Am I wrong? Hell, I got a rule book here someplace. Hey, you know what? Fuck you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. All right? I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna catch on with another club, I'm gonna fucking stick it up your fucking asses. Sit the fuck down. Sit down! I gotta do what's best for this team here, son. Now, you're a veteran guy, but I can find a guy who makes half of what you do and plays great defense, who at least makes contact. It ain't about you, it ain't about your goddamn character, okay? You're a great clubhouse guy. You know the game, but you're getting old and you can't fucking play anymore. You ain't got it anymore. I'm gonna prove you wrong. Good, 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 hell, I hope you do. I hope you fucking do, but God damn it, Bill. Have you ever thought about maybe doing something else? I am fucking done. I'm gonna catch on with another fucking club. How the fuck are you gonna do that? When no scout has brought your name up in shit, six years. Six years. I hate to be so blunt with you. I mean, I really do. But it's only because I, I think the world of you. It's time, son. Half the guys I have this conversation with, they, they come back two years later and they thank me. You can't see it. I know. 
but everybody else can. Fuck it. You listen to me, okay? What you do, goddammit, that's your decision. Now, if you want me to call some managers and, and testify to your character, I, you know damn well I'd be happy to do that. Thanks, Skip. You give my best to your old man, all right? All right. Okay. Love you, Skip. Love you, too, sir. You're gonna be all right. Okay. remember ramping up for that with Phil at all in that scene were you was he kind of trying to pull more out of you at the moment or it just flowed no I think um yeah I think it's it's kind of who we are I like Phil and and when an actor that's why it's good to work with you know in the old days and sometimes you see it now they will Mm. cast someone who's not strong and so they then will cast people around them who are, you know, not strong because they don't oh. want them to take the focus. So you end up, if you're really strong or aware of, you know, what you're doing, they think like right. the guy. But what happens usually is it mm. raises your level. And when you work with good people, right. like, I, I can't do family business with Valerie and not show up, yeah. Because because if I yeah. do, she yeah. would just take the whole damn. Well, thing you know, it's and, like and run run away. It's with like playing so jazz. You have to like you know the jazz musicians feed off each other all the time. Yeah, and that's that's and when it works well. So when you work with someone like Phil, mm-hmm. he's there, he's present. So you got to be present, and and if it's really flowing, you just lo- like you know the man in the silo. You can lose yourself and be in that where it's it's. Yes. It's you, but it's great. Yeah, you're free. You're just doing what you do. And for our audience, Ernie Hudson plays the lead role in The Man in the Silo, a middle-aged African-American man, high-powered executive, who marries his younger white secretary. They have one child together. And against his better judgment, they move out to the rural parts of Illinois, outside of Chicago, to take care of his wife's ailing grandmother, who's all alone, because her husband died in a grain silo accident. And we're going to hear a clip from the film in which Ernie's character is confronting the grandmother, who's rather racist and never wanted him to marry her granddaughter. Charlotte's coming to get me, huh? Died in a grain silo. Fell in? (laughs) I say, one of Charlie's... Negroes, or what you used to call them when I was out of the room, the help. Yeah, I say the help. Just got tired of working his land for potato soup and pushed him in. Emily used to always defend you and Charlie. I say it's all bullshit. I was there. Push him in myself. But you're just doing what you do. Now, you know, we can can do this every night until you answer because I know, I know you can answer. You can talk. This is my house now. Just as much as it is yours. Hey, 
And this is Ernie speaking at the film's premiere at the Gene Siskel Film Center in Chicago. Being African-American in America, it's a little hard to kind of define where we are. Where is our community? You know what I mean? Suddenly I'm walking down the streets of my city and I don't see anybody who look like me. And I think, man, I'm a long way from home. You know, um, you get on a train to go home. And when you start, you know, 75% of people on the train is black, and by the time you get where you're going, there are no black people left on the train. And so we're always sort of balancing these things and trying to be normal, And but it's still, it's a weird kind of existence. And so I thought this film sort of explored a little bit of that, at least uh, attempted to, so. That's, and that, you know. Right, right. And it doesn't happen often, you know, and sometimes you you can try to make it happen, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes you mm-hmm. can. But it's good to have yes, skills absolutely. and have a craft. So when you can't get to that place, you can still, you know, you yes. can hit the marks you can do and you can, the work is still good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exa- well, it was interesting when I was editing, I was also the editor on The Man in the Silo and, you know, seeing all the takes, you know, I'd say we got five takes of you doing whatever in a scene and three of them were really great yeah and then the other two were like good you know and i could pull stuff from every one you know and i that was my first time where i had so much abundance of choices in terms of the takes i never had that before and that's probably what made me into a decent editor is doing the most with little resources but this time and i learned a lot about the craft of acting but sitting with phil and him talking about it and watching films before we'd edit and then watching him direct you and watching him talk about your performances and i learned a lot about how you know he would talk about great actors will bring the the emotions up to the surface but sometimes pull them back kind of bring the audience in um, I don't know if you do that consciously or not, but there's a subtlety to great actors like with De Niro. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. You know, yeah, now yeah, I could see yeah. it. Before, I didn't even notice it. Right. You know what right, I mean? Could you yeah. elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, well, it's, it's different. Obviously, I was talking to James O. Jones years ago. We worked on Roots mm. and, um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was saying that it was very difficult for him to transition to television and film because on stage he commands the stage. But there's a there's a yes. there's a just a, a bigness or whatever that you can't bring to film and TV, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the camera's right there. But so right. a lot of it you have to pull back if it's going mm. to be effective. I mean, you can that's why right. and on family business, we get into it a lot of times where we're in the middle of a scene and the people around love it. And when the scene is over, they're clapping and shit. And I'm like, you know what? It might've played in the room, but it might not play on. And it's very dangerous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, because it's a very it's subtle a thing. Yeah, how do you show up? How do you be there? How do you, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm walking the wire. Um, I think um, before I became an actor, um, I was in Detroit, and this is a little off about topic, maybe, but sure, um, the Great Walendas, you know, the tightrope walking family. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with them? They uh, generations of 
they walked the wire. No. That's what okay. Yes, yeah. Right. And uh, they had a big accident where I think it was 12 people, something on the wire. And um, the people who know the real story listen to this and think Ernie's stupid. But but it was, it was just, it's a family and they, they go back generations. Okay. That's what they do. Uh, sure. The great Walendas. He came to, it was a, my first winter in Detroit. It was a bad winter. But um, he came to Detroit and he was going to walk. They strung a wire from the top of the Hudson building what? to some other department store. They strung this wire. In the winter? It, it was in the winter. But um, oh. and uh, and the weather was supposed to be fairly mild, and he was going to walk the wire. Well, the day oh. when he was going to walk it, the it, the storm came, and it was an awful storm. And they said, and he's he, still going to postpone. It. He says no. He says because oh because God. I walked the wire. So oh my he, uh, it, it, they, it was televised, and they had him, and he was walking, <laughs> and the wind was blowing, but he he walked, oh. he walked across. And when he got he to did his, it? yeah, he did it. He did it. It was it was amazing. Oh my God. I mean, it was it he was, made, he it. made it. It was so intense because okay. I thought, oh my. And there was no net or anything. So it it was and when Damn. he got to the other side, they they, you know, they wrapped him in blankets and they were interviewing him and they said, Why? Okay. Why why do you do this? He says, Because it's the one thing in the world I do better than anyone else. It's wow. the one thing. Now, that may be his opinion, it may be true. <laughs> But it's important uh -huh. that he believes that. Right, it's right, important right. That you believe this is what I do. This is mine. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. you can be you can play mm -hmm. with other people and they play, but this is what I do. This is my mm. turf. This is, you know, mm. so and I mm. think with acting, when you're in when you're allowed to work, when people aren't interfering, the studio interferes, the studio tries to control it just Sure, of course. You know, for reasons other than the art, but it's what you do, it's your calling. And mm -hmm. and I think when you're working on a character and you're allowed the freedom to work, yeah, the uh, how you color it, how it's yeah, it's um, and I don't know if you can teach that. I can, I can see it, mm -hmm. I can appreciate it, but I don't know how to tell somebody to get there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I've always thought about that. I remember when I interviewed you for a behind the scenes thing when we did the Man in the Silo, and you were talking about getting to the truth, getting finding some some. You want to find the truth in the character, and it to me it sounded like you're merely basically saying is you want to portray this character as genuine as possible, yeah, as true to the character with all the ups and all the downs and all the nuances, right? And if you can do that, well, then that's that's remarkable, that's great, and you and that's really liberating as an actor to to show your range and to get into the subtle subtleties of the human condition of the nuances. By the way, I didn't know you were, were you in Roots? Uh, yeah, I did, a, well, it was a small part. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, um, yeah, it was Roots 2. It was the second okay. Roots. And like I said, it was a small part with uh, James Earl Jones was okay. uh, playing, uh, he, well, he was playing Alex Haley. And then they had okay. a meeting between him and Malcolm X, and I was one of the Muslims who was, uh, a guard who was sort of in the meeting, so I didn't do much in it, but oh, okay, I was there. So some of my okay, one of my credits, but uh, but I got sure. to know James Earl Jones, you know, you know, as much as you can know somebody in a couple of days. And I, I when I was on Broadway, uh, mm. you know, I would run into him from time to time, but um, mm. but I, I just love him as an actor because uh, mm. but I think also when you find a character, you know, it's funny how you can 
you can kind of be around, but when you zero in, when you're there, that's why every take is a little bit different because you can't do any wrong. You are the person, you know what I mean? Right, and, right. and so it's like, what do I do to be Ernie Hudson? Whatever I do, it's because it's me, you know? Right. So, but when you're not there, you can't, you know, get into that space then that's when it's hard. And sometimes I've had scenes where I just, I can't feel it. I can't, I, and I, that's when you really want a good director. And sometimes you right. don't, um, there was a scene in uh, the, uh, the Martin Luther King story, the miniseries, where I was on mm. the balcony when uh, King was shot. And uh, I was one mm. of the guys, even though historically it wasn't correct because the character I played uh, was not there. But the director, oh, Abby okay. Mann, liked my work and he put me in the scene, mm. which is that's oh, okay. whatever we but okay. uh but when I uh I had to play this scene with his brother and and I didn't know where to go with it. I just I just mm. I, you know, I mean I just felt fake. I just felt mm. I just uh mm. you know, and that's an awful feeling because you just you mean you just you torture yourself days after. Because you just, mm -hmm. I just, I, I, you know, I just. So anyway. So did he did he help you through that at all? Uh, or did the director? Not really. Just wasn't... Not really. That's what I say. Okay. That's when <laughs> it helps to have a craft because <laughs> right. I know I can, and you hope this is good enough. You hope this is. Yeah, you hope it and worked. it probably was. And, and yeah, nobody probably says, "Oh man, what happened to you in that scene?" You know. So, <laughs> but right, but you know. But yeah, then your heart, you feel like I just, I yeah, so. It's interesting when you're what you were saying before. When you are around quality actors that really are bringing it and present and understand how to tap into that genuine energy of their character, it's inspiring you. So, like your creativity is sparking. I know that when I play music and I'm improvising, if I'm in the moment and I'm feeling it, ideas will be like boom, 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 yeah, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. There'll be sparking like I'm just like flowing with the myriad of ideas that are organically popping up. I would imagine. It's a similar experience for you when you're acting with some quality actors around yeah, you. Yeah. And, you know, and unlike, unlike, you know, you can't improvise in terms of changing the dialogue because that's kind of set. Certain things are set, but there are course, certain things of how we get to that place, how we did. Of course. That, that, exactly. You know, on stage, I love stage, even though the last play I did, I think my fellow actors were uh, probably thrown <laughs> off a little bit. I just think that, okay, we, we, we block this, we set it, but when we come out on stage to play, I mean, we're, you know, we're, you know, we, we have our, you know, our boundaries, but uh, it's mm -hmm. time to dance. And uh, if you come at exactly. me that way, then obviously I can't do what I did last night because we just changed the, the chemistry here. And so, exactly. Uh, and that's what I love about it. But, uh, but some mm -hmm. actors want you know, let's lock it in. And then, of course, in mm. film, you get a lot of actors. They just want to do whatever the hell they want to do, and they don't care about anybody else. But I got to play with you. I got to respond to this nonsense on screen. So you can't just go off, you know. And some people feel they're secure enough in the show, which means they, they can't get fired. Uh, right, right, they right. They do that, and they take a lot of liberties, which is really, really frustrating to me, so... Oh, yeah. You told me, you told us one of the funniest stories. I remember one of the nights we were filming in L.A. And uh, 
I'll just be brief, but you know, you were telling us you were on a show where you played uh, opposite a, a, another man as police officer partners, I believe, and he was acting rather foolish in the way he was conducting himself. And you're like, look, man, you know, we got a good thing going here, blah, 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 blah. And he was just continued to act a fool until the show got canceled or whatever. Yeah, you're like, great. Yeah. Thanks a lot, you know? Yeah and, yeah. and all he had to do was just not be a jerk, but he just could not do that. And I right. would imagine that kind of that self-absorption happens. Well, you know, I think, this type, you know, acting lends itself to that, I guess. To well, a it does. You know, I mean, it, a lot of it has to do, I think, with why you're in the business. You know, if you're coming to this business to to validate yourself or to prove or mm. to get something, mm. you know, what I mean, because I think we give as much as we receive. Uh, but mm -hmm. if you're coming there for, you know, uh, and if you're insecure, if you don't, if now that can be the other side of getting good people, because. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I see a good actor, there's a part of me that says, yeah, you know, let's, let's do it. You know, let's, let's get it on. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I want to play, but if I wasn't confident, maybe I might then suddenly find fault in the cameraman or the, you know, you, those actors uh -huh. kind of complain about everything and it's a problem. And what's with these lines? I can't say these because they it, it can make you insecure i guess if you're not uh, oh prepared you know i mean i totally um you know so you got to be grounded not to lose your way in hollywood as far as i'm concerned i mean it's just like it's just this whole petri dish waiting for people to be lost in the wilderness if you're not grounded at least you know from my outside limited experience it's like i've had uh you know a, i've had friends go out to hollywood and become disillusioned and you know it's like you just, ever since I uh, got had the pleasure to know you, Ernie, you've you've just uh, struck me as a very grounded individual, uh, someone who just is very clear about why they're doing certain things, um, from a from an organic and genuine way, rather than a, well, and rather than a superficial kind of 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 not uh, lacking a thoughtfulness. You, you were never like, you're, you've always been just very straight up and genuine and right there. I think that's why you and I have always related. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to, 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 to hear more about your career. It's absolutely fascinating. And, and I was wondering, you know, when you told me earlier on in the conversation, when you were, you know, pretty militant and wearing a beret. And I also read that Muhammad Ali was, you were a big fan of his. How did someone with your insight and um, your, uh, your, that coming from that perspective to a degree, how have you been able to navigate Hollywood, you know, fairly successfully. I mean, you've been in Miss Congeniality, Oz, playing that authoritative figure that you do so well. Hey, Warden. Hello, Mike. And I went uh, Donald Groves. Groves? Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you something, McManuson. Don't take this the wrong way, what? but are you in your fucking mind? Groves is a demented sociopath without a scoosh of remorse. Well, maybe. He ate his parents. He killed them, carved them up, and he ate them. What the fuck you can do with him? I'm gonna teach him table manners. Listen, the only thing a guy like that understands is punishment, hard and swift. Mm-hmm. Leo, you, you said it yourself. Shit. Our first conversation, all we do is recycle. Hey, Ward, need to talk to you. Later, Johnson, later. Yeah, later. I mean, an inmate comes in, we sit on him, send him back out, he's back with a vengeance. I mean, if we don't do something Thank different, you, if we don't do something ah. radical right now, we're never gonna break the chain. 
Listen, Groves isn't going out. He's here to God drop kicks him to hell. Do I have to call the commissioner on this one? I was given total autonomy to run cell block five my way. Fine. Take Groves. Thank you. And Paul Markstrom. Markstrom? He's a petty drug dealer, and I got enough petty drug dealers. You want Groves, you take Markstrom. Why? Talk to you, Why? Just give me five minutes. It's my cousin. Of course, it's hard to navigate Hollywood for a right. variety of right. reasons, but also because it's this this mechanism to shape public perception of culture in such a powerful way that we're seeing right now. Right. I mean, we've got the Black Lives Matter movement, and all of this, our world's being turned upside down right now. Like, yeah. how have you na- been able to navigate this, and and has your your view of Hollywood? shifted as of late given what we're dealing with well that's uh that's interesting now you know okay now i gotta go to the restroom so <laughs> okay sure <laughs> can we, can we, well, can we take a break here <laughs> yes <laughs> that was hysterical <laughs> i mean because i gave you i mean i was bringing it with that question multifaceted <laughs> cultural yeah that, uh, <laughs> this might take some time so i yeah <laughs> Can't squirm so, through this, but I really need to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that. Um, well, I think uh, you know. I look at it now, especially with the Black Lives Matter, and I think maybe I have been over the years to you, you question yourself: Am I too uh, willing to accommodate? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I came through at a different time. I'm from a different generation. You know, I was you know born in the forties. And so I, I hear the complaints mm. and, and, and they're, they're justified, they're legitimate. You know, I found ways around things. We all find ways to, you know, make peace with things. But, uh, mm. as I said, you know, the way I grew up, um, I trust the Holy spirit. Um, I trust mm. that guidance. I, I realize that we're not all at the same place. I also realize okay. that a lot of the things that I felt held me back, were assumptions made on my part. So, for example, when I say mm. I want to do mm. something, mm. Uh, I, I, I I remember being at a place where I stood at the gate waiting for somebody to come by to kind of let me in to mm. go to, uh, to, to the house when I realized that the gate was never locked. I just assumed it was. Mm. And so mm. I always felt that uh, you take it as far as you can take it and then, mm-hmm. you know, then you trust that somebody, the Holy Spirit will send someone somehow. Uh, but you have to you have to just trust. I, I was asked about uh, had I had the conversation with my sons, I have four sons, um, mm-hmm. you know, about the police situation. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, we've talked about it, but I don't want my sons to assume that any encounter with the police is going to be a bad experience. Or that mm-hmm. this particular policeman is going to be biased or whatever. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you tend to get what you expect from situations. Sure. And um, like I said, the thing that kind of unifies us uh, now, how this, I mean, Hollywood is pretty much what it is. I know there are a lot of people who are uh, there. Uh, most of the people in Hollywood don't do anything. I mean, most of the money <laughs> is made by people who. It was a guy who introduced me to someone, he, and he made more money than the than the, the two of us did. I mean, it's like people find ways to hustle, and um, uh. you know, and and if they can feed off you, I mean, I expect that. But at the end of the day, uh, you got to know who you are, and you got to like who you are. I never had a problem That's with for sure. um, mm. 
Mm. Yeah. So, you know, you, you got to li- I always like me, you know what I mean? My grandmother said that she would say that the odds of any of us being born is so astronomical. I mean, it is, it's we, true. It is true. The chance to live this life. I mean, and it's not a long it's incredible. life. I mean, it's, it's a miracle. It's a, it's a short little span. I mean, no matter how I look at it, I look at the last 20 sure. years and I see how fast they've gone. 20 years from now, I'm going to be damn near 100. So, <laughs> you know, not many guys make it that far. So you have right. to, I mean, let's just get real. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think I've always felt that what's important, my, my kids are important, you know, my family, exactly. my wife. I mean, exactly. exactly. so it's, you know, a lot of promises are made. And I think people who believed in the promises wholeheartedly mm-hmm. get disillusioned. I know a lot of people came out with high hopes and they leave very angry. Um, uh-huh. I, um, I, when someone does something nice, um, Oh, or exceptional to me. I'm so thankful because I really don't expect much from anybody, and I'm usually not disappointed. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's okay. I'm good. You know, yeah. I um, you're right. I think right, right. That, from that that standpoint, and you know, I, I was talking to a director, a young lady who was just starting out. And she said, "What should I?" I said, "You know, Hollywood can never offer you anything more than what you already have. So don't trade you." Mm-hmm. For whatever this promise is, because, right. and I think I, I just always knew that. But I, I do feel that, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, this creation that is me. You know, I like Ernie Hudson. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always liked me. I, you know, I sure. I, I felt that some people. I never found anybody who I would change places with. I see some guys like they had it all, but I'm like, you know what? When I start looking, I'm like, I'll, I'll keep my hand. You know, so. That's terrific. I mean, that again, you're a pretty grounded individual, um, which is not the case um, when you come across most of humanity. Actually, I mean, but I, I'm 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 really also curious about how do you view like what's happening right now? Should there be more? Like right now, Netflix came out with um, you know a whole series of of Afrocentric, for lack of a better phrase, um, films. Films right. about African American culture, things of this nature. Um, I I see that as a good thing. Um, I would imagine you would concur. What are your thoughts on you know what's happening in in the country right now in terms of us? I mean, it seems like we're just turning the uh, turning culture upside down, or at least pulling the the veil back and saying, "Hey, this yeah. is what's going on." And it, it's made of it's made us almost conscientious or things that we kind of like rationalized away to a certain degree i mean would would you agree with that yeah i think uh, i think that things has been a certain way and a lot of people benefited from it that way and a lot of people don't want to see a change a lot of people are threatened mm-hmm. by you know, that change but there are a lot of people who are basically i mean for me it's always been a little bit of what's in it for me i don't really do i have never done much of anything that i don't look at it and say can i win this do I have a shot mm. at this? And if I ain't got mm, a shot, mm. I don't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I um I used to play basketball right, right. with my kid, and um it got uh-huh. to a point where he started be you know kicking my butt every time, and I stopped playing. And he said, "Why we don't play basketball?" I'm like, "No, because I don't want to lose to you every day." I mean, what freaking sense does that make? So we got too many people who feel there is not a chance, and we need to you know that, that you got a shot. That's what America was mm. me was supposed to be about. But it's been so, right. I mean, this is, we, we haven't gotten here by accident. 
I mean, that, that mm. school I went to, you know, I was able to sort of come out of it, but most of those kids, almost all those kids, they, they, they mm. got lost, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. did not have great lives. And But, you know, it, it's needed. Whether we'll step up to the reckoning without going to mm. civil war, I mean, mm-hmm. whether we'll see there's a need and maybe we personally mm-hmm. might not have, you know, uh, a, a reason to say, you know what, we need to be inclusive. Um, mm. we, we, we're we all in this together. That sense of unity as Americans, of course, now with the whole social media and the Internet and all of that uh-huh. stuff, I mean, they're playing with our minds and trying to control and all oh that. Oh, my but gosh. We, you know, I don't know how we overcome this new place we're at, but I think we have to. And the thing with African-American movies and some of the stuff they're doing, these stories have not been told. They need to be told. <laughs> yes, to yes. But I, 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 I the, the whole... Uh, angst and, and and some of the the tragic stuff we we didn't survive with just the tragedy you know what i mean mm-hmm. people loved and laughed and did stuff mm-hmm. and exactly well that's the thing that that's the thing in in hollywood you know particularly minorities where have have always been portrayed uh african-american people latino people uh, been portrayed in this very stereotypical, uh, yeah. dumbed down, watered down, just valid, really silly way. And, you know, now we're seeing a lot more rich characters. I mean, that you've had the benefit of being able to play, um, which is remarkable, you know, for anyone's career, which is excellent. You know, real human characters that we know all people to be, whether you're a minority or not, doesn't matter. Like, all people have these complex parts of them and so like you know we've seen this this long progression of you know pushing and pushing we've seen you know filmmakers like spike lee that have pushed the envelope busted the doors you know open a little bit but yet they're so strong so now we'll see more of that kind of thing hopefully yeah and i think uh i see people i mean i see people out demonstrating and and uh, in many cases, there are more whites out there than blacks. I mean, they place people demonstrating in cities that I didn't even know how black people live. I mean, so we're aware of it as a nation, you know. And, yes. uh, and I, I'm uh, very touched that um, whites and other groups are saying, yeah, we need to do something about this. We can't allow this to continue. Um, yep. Now, there are those who want to dig in and, and just go back to, you know, make America great again. Sounds to me like make it you know, exclusively white again. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I know there are those, you know, but the question is we have to, we're making a choice here. And I think we have to make a choice. Of course, when I say Black Lives Matter, and I say that to, it's important for America to understand that, but it's important for all America, not just white people, but also black people. I mean, you know, there are choices that I didn't make because my life matters. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I see people making bad choices. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic and I'm looking at people. One of the things, if your immune system is weakened and one of the things, if you're obese or overweight, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not just saying it's the black people, I'm saying it's the people sure, in general. Sure. I mean, but now yes. will be the time to be strengthening my immune system. I mean, now yes. is the time to- Get on the treadmill mean? if you can. It ain't time to be, you know, dining out at McDonald's. I mean, this is the no. time to get serious. Now, I can't say Man, to someone sure. you have to do that, but I'm saying right, you have to right, matter right. enough to yourself to say, you know, I've always, like I said, I, I, I've always liked me, but I, I have to say to me, hell no. You're not, you know, you better put that 
No, you're not eating that. There's a part of me that right, says exactly. to me, nope, don't even think about it. You know, and exactly. I don't drink because I, I got drunk uh, one time, beat up my brother and my uncle and uh, ripped the <sighs> chandelier out of the ceiling and they called the police and I went to jail. I spent the night in jail. <laughs> the only time I've ever gone to jail, I've, I spent the night in the jail. And, and when it, it was on a Sunday Getting night. to know you. <laughs> they, put, they put me in this jail. I was 18 or 19 somewhere. But uh, they put me in this cell mm -hmm. and uh, everybody had been arrested over the weekend for being drunk. So everybody there mm. had had been drunk and had been throwing up. And I started throwing up oh, beautiful. from the time oh, I got beautiful. there, which was three in the afternoon until midnight. Right. I just dry heaves. It was just awful. The smell of the alcohol was so uh. The stench was so bad. I got out the next day, uh -huh. but man, every time I would go to drink, I'd, I'd smell alcohol. I get sick, so I, I have this weird right, right, allergy right. that I, I don't drink. But I right, realized right. that some of the stuff I've been through, if I was really, you know, had a habit now, or you know, I mean, if I was oh, make any it ten escape, times worse, it would be it would be a thousand times worse. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. So I. I, I just think that we have to care enough to say, I want, I, I, you know, I'm making a choice here. This is not happening. Right. There are things happening, but I'm making a choice of how I'm reacting and responding to them. Right. And so exactly. where do you want to go with this? And until you take that responsibility for yourself, uh, we, we're just never going to, you know, and people sitting out who are doing very well saying my life is screwed up because those people are creating a problem. And, um, and as far as the police, I mean, that is tradition. I mean, all the way back to slavery, they've been assigned the role mm -hmm. of keeping black people in a certain position, poor people, minority people. Mm -hmm. And uh, and mm -hmm. they've been given the luxury of no accountability. And it's been and so it, it has to stop. And yeah, um, a qualified you know, immunity is I mean, ridiculous. I, I was in I was asked to come and be the grand marshal of a parade in Downey, California. Mm. And uh, I, I probably shouldn't say the name, but it was Downey, California. <laughs> and okay. uh, they uh, well, you're freed up now, Ernie. So that's right. I won't go driving through Downey. But they asked me to meet uh, the police department to meet, you know, some of the officers. And so I went to the station and met some uh -huh. of them. And uh, and they looked at me like, man, like, you know, and I'm like, hey, guys, hi, I'm trying to be friendly. Just ice. I'm like. What, really? What is that about? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we we have to see each other as once again that spirit that ties us all together, and if we can't see mm -hmm. that, then then we're lost. So, when do we reach a point where we make a choice? And sometimes it's a civil war. Sometimes people have to sit in a jail and say, "Wow, I, I wish I could do it over." I hope we don't get yeah. to those places. Yeah, and also, I, I really, we it's so much we have more in common i see people i've met people mm -hmm. who look at me and i i know they don't like me but there's no reason not to it's always amazing mm -hmm. if somebody doesn't like me i'm like really how could you not like me you know but yeah. it's uh <laughs> yeah, i don't get it but you know hey, I, i'm like I'm but you great conversationalist i'm funny and yeah, i'm thoughtful like, yeah. and i'm generally pretty nice i don't drink no and i'm here and so i don't get in a fight yeah i'm here for you man i'm like you know just hug you know i mean it's but you love your kids i love my kids you know you love to you know yeah. we, what to, what what is what is that what is you know so yeah. but you you have yeah, to be at a place where you. you're willing to make that that choice and as far as religion 
organized religion, I think they've done more harm in a lot of ways because they fostered mm -hmm. this this separation. You know, uh, mm -hmm. oh yes, aren't worth it. They are not. Um, you know, they're not saved. They're not whatever. And mm. so, yeah, I, I know it's 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 very it's very very interesting. And the, our country is one of the only ones that really hasn't truthfully and forthrightly reckoned with its past as opposed to like having statues of confederate statues all over the country right. what are you doing yeah what yeah. is that now we're seeing it oh my gosh this is all around us it's kind of crazy right you know what i mean yeah yeah no it's it's there it was, it's always been there and as a black man uh i've always been aware of it i've always kind of walked around it i've sort of you know i've made allowances for my friend who you know sometimes people you know uh i just say well they they don't understand they don't know but i shouldn't have to be i shouldn't have to spend time doing that how do you balance that in terms of being patient with folks who you know just don't understand or are ignorant to certain s situations i mean i remember i met this guy from south africa a white guy in college who was really just made some awful racist comments and it was so stupid and ridiculous to me that i didn't even get angry when he made these comments i just looked at him and i really honestly just felt really bad for him because he was just so confused yeah, yeah about how to navigate as a human being i was just like whoa man yeah, yeah it was really startling and i tried to just talk to him it was strange you'd think you know, I grew up in a, you know, father was a civil rights activist. I grew up in, you know, I was a minority as a white person. I had a lot of mixed friends, black, white, whatever, Latino, Asian, didn't matter. And, you know, I heard that. And I was like, wow, man, I'm, I'm really, I, f I felt really, really bad. And it would be just so wonderful if people as a society, we acknowledged it together um, and, until we do that, you, you, you will always get this really nefarious and harmful manifestation of these things that aren't, you know, it's like when things bubble up and you haven't acknowledged yeah. them. Yeah, no, and yeah, I knew you're right. And, but we, there's got to be a willingness. And it doesn't help when you have someone who's out there perpetuating and, and just yeah. oh. stirring this stuff up and, and All thinking the time. his power <laughs> and his success is based on him doing this. Because I don't think he cares anything. one way or the other, but it just the, the, I, if I can do this, I can stay in power. And I don't know, we're, we're at a point. Are, are we, you know, uh, grown up enough to make the decision to do what we I, know in our hearts is right? You know, I people hope, say, well, I, I support. So. In fact, I was up at, a, we have a cabin up north uh, in Minnesota, up near Brainerd. Mm. And uh, we were up there, we're at a restaurant, it had signs all over, we support the police. And uh, and I go, I support the police, too. You know, I, I know we need the police. Absolutely. I, I got no problem with police. But it's bad policing. It's when you, you know, you, yes. you know, you discriminate. That That's the problem I have. Just, you know, treat everybody fairly, at least, you know. But when you go into it, I've had police stop and they, they walk up to me and I know they got an attitude. I see the guy got his hand on his gun. I mean, it's it's like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, that's that's not policing. That's something else. And you have these yeah. people who are not from the neighborhoods or not um, from the people that they're supposedly serving, and uh, and mm -hmm. you got a problem. So, the, so we have to make the decision that this is something that we, as a nation, want if we're going to be a nation, because mm -hmm. otherwise, it's just certain people running it and everybody else. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. run for your life and uh yeah pretty much know, yeah and I let's know. have and and you know like i i appreciate this conversation because it's it's real it's genuine it's it's yeah like i don't have any it, it, you know our society the, with the media and the polarization and um the guy who's sitting in the white house you know it's constantly this polarization of either you're this way or you're that way. No, I'm not against. Yeah. I've met several police officers that I thought were great people and wonderful people in Chicago when I'd close up this nightclub that I was running. Um, you know, they'd protect me. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, that's what they were doing. Right. And uh, but but we're talking about a bigger conversation, the training, the culture, yeah. the things that why is this continuing to happen yeah. in this particular way? There's something to look at. So let's really look at that without vilifying individual people. I was also wondering, though, um, on this topic, though, Ernie, it, was, it just made me think of looking back on your whole career and, and, and the ups and downs and the winding road, and particularly with respect to being a black man in this in this country and what's happening now, if you met a young actor that you saw, you know, had some skill and some promise, you know, they were just coming up and they said, what advice can you give me? What would you say? Well, I think that, um, well, an African-American yeah. actor that is. Well, at, at, at a certain point, like I so said, we do the whole, you know, the categories, the racial categories, the age, the sex and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the only thing that has been the saving grace for me comes from my grandmother, which is you got to see past that. You got to see, you know, it's it, you got to see his spirit and you got to trust that spirit will guide you. I think there's an inner guide that knows what we need to do and we know what we need to do, but we have the fear of doing it. That's the problem. We we look around and we kind of go, you know, something says. It was a, a story my grandmother used to tell me about uh, when the, uh, the the children of Israel were running from Pharaoh, and they got mm-hmm. to the Red Sea, and uh, and Pharaoh was coming behind, and um, and they had to get across, and so mm-hmm. Moses ordered them. It's two versions of that story in the Bible. Uh, mm. But in one, he tells them to get into the water and they get into the water and the seas part. But there's, that's mm. the moment where they got to be willing to get into the water without knowing for sure what's going to mm. happen. You know, there's mm-hmm. no guarantee. You got to be willing to step out there uh, right, and right. put it on the line. And But that's trusting spirit. But I mm. think if we're going to, you can't fight. I, I don't believe in fighting necessarily against anything. I believe in fighting very hard for something. You know what mm. I mean? The thing that I don't want, mm. I just soon not focus on. I just soon not spend a lot of time dealing with that. That's not going to mm. be the thing that I do care about. That's where my energy is, where my focus is. Hmm. I know how I'm going to vote in this election. I know the people who yeah. I like and I'm going to support financially. Right, otherwise. Right. But I don't want to spend <clears> a lot of time thinking, about, you know, it's, it's, it's not about the fight. Hmm. And when I look right. at TV, the thing that frustrates me so much in movies and TV now is everything is a war. It's all what about I hate that. about these Marvel movies is like there's always a war against the, and they're battling and they're kicking and they're shooting and they're uh. right. So you yeah, know, so I'm not about. It's about how do we support what we believe needs to be done. And so anyway, mm-hmm. that's um, I, I yeah, you got you got to want something better and. Not everybody feels the same way, you know. It. Uh, yeah, I mean, would you like? Do you have any aspirations to direct? By the way, 
No, I don't have any aspirations. No, to do it. I know. I, you know what? I think if a project came along that uh, I really was passionate about, but nah, man. If it was something that really spoke to you, if it was something that really spoke to me. Uh, yeah, maybe, but uh, not really. You know, I, I mean, I'm in this life, this go round. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to enjoy it, man. I'm trying to enjoy the moment, and uh-huh. um, you know. Uh, work when it's work but i'm not i'm not looking for a job you mm-hmm. know i mean i'm saying I, i'd love to work but i'm not uh sure all sure those years of auditioning and rejection uh-huh and uh, uh-huh. i ain't doing it anymore i mean if you want me you know where to find me and and i'm good man i'm right. good you know so uh <laughs> right. you know i got well, ghostbusters what, what? so you know i i can you know, put on my Ghostbuster outfit in an old folks' home. Oh, that's right. And, that's uh, right. Yeah, you, know. you were in Ghostbusters. Right. I remember. Yeah, so, so I'm good. <laughs> I, so, you know. How do, I mean, you know, I forgot to ask you about that. Well, hey, before I leave this, is there any specific type of role that you would, you were like, wow, I'd really like to do that? Or anything along those lines or a role that, or some type of story that you've been thinking of that you're just like, man, that would really speak to me or you haven't really figured it out, but you'll know when you see it. No, I, I, I had a play that we were trying to do and I, I was working with someone who we um, parted ways because we had a whole different idea. The guy I was working oh. with, he, um, uh, he was Italian, but he mm-hmm. did what I find a lot of, and I hate to keep talking about black and white and all that, but uh, this was uh, mm-hmm. Jack Johnson at the end of his life, and uh, mm. we wrote a play. Um, it was a one-man show. We were doing it, but oh. in the middle of it, he mm-hmm. really wanted to see the black character beat up and worn out and, and on drugs and all the above, and uh, mm. I wanted to focus on other things, and certainly the way he... Mm you know, lived his life right up to the very end was pretty dynamic. But um, so we mm. just had these two. And so once we kind of split up, I haven't gone back mm. to it. But uh, I still think about that sometime. I did him when he, in his youth. Be interesting to mm-hmm. see what, you know, at the, at the end of that life. But honestly, there's nothing now that, um, you know, that I'm, I'm really jumping up and down to do. If it comes along, um, mm-hmm. you know, I did. But I, if I work, I want to work where I'm really involved in the story. I don't want to. Sometimes people say, "Hey, I got this thing I want you to do, and we only need you for one day." And it's just, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? I want, I want yeah. to work. I don't want to just be in something because, you know, you think I have a name and I can help you sell. Sure. You know, I, I got a line in it and then I got my name above title. It doesn't do anything right. for anybody. So uh, I, I love good stories. Um, yeah, you love the you craft know. of it. I mean, I could tell. But I think those things will come. That's why, that's why I think if, and a young actor coming to me, it's like trust, trust the universe. It, it, mm. it is aware of you. It's personal. Uh-huh. And um, and it knows, and it'll guide you. But uh, you almost have to quiet yourself. When you panic, you're screaming mm. inside because you're so desperate mm. and so afraid. you got to sort of quiet those voices to be able to hear mm-hmm. it. It's hard not to be afraid, but um, but I, yes. I've always trusted. And, and I and I, and I've, I have a lot of friends who, who don't. You know, they go, mm-hmm. you know, i got to do something, and I'm going to... And sometimes you just... Just do what you need to do and prepare. 
just just be yeah prepared. yeah but when it comes you're yes. there because if it comes and you're not you know i remember you know i, I don't get high anymore i ain't got no problem with anybody getting high smoking weed but i remember back in the day i smoked a joint i don't normally do that but i I've did it in the middle of the day and then i got a call for this this really important audition and I went in there, man, and I was like, oh, my God, I was so, I, 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 I and then I started apologizing for being high. You were lit. Not, yeah, I'm like, I'm so sorry, excuse me, excuse me, I'm like, I'm, no, no, I, um, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta do the work. Oh, for sure. And trust sure. that, and you know, the rest will come. I was wondering, um, you know, I, I, before, I just didn't want to forget to ask you about, you know, the role not your finest hour, which, but it was, you did a great job. But, you know, most people know your face, or a lot of people first were introduced to you through Ghostbusters. Yeah. And, I mean, what impact did that have on your your life and career? Did that take it up a notch how, like, most people would perceive it, or how did that go down? Well, you know, I had, um, I've been working steady and climbing in my mind. I did a movie called Space Hunter that Ivan Reitman worked on. Yeah, with Molly and, Ringwald. Uh, uh-huh. And then we got yep. Ghostbusters. And I expected that would be the launching of my career. And it was kind of the opposite. It didn't destroy really? my career. I mean, I, I was still working. But uh, after Ghostbusters came out, I really couldn't get a job in film for pretty close to three years. And, uh, but I, I thought, okay, how do wow. I make a living doing what I do? I started doing, so I did some commercials. I did some print work. Uh, I did a lot of TV shows. And, hmm. um, and then finally, uh, Weeds came along, uh, with Nick Nolte. And that was the first mm-hmm. film that I did. And once I did Weeds, uh, I did eight films back to back. Uh, really? and then we did the second Ghostbusters and the same thing happened. I couldn't get arrested. I don't know what that is. It was the opposite of what I thought would happen. A lot of it wow. had to do with bad management. A lot of it had to do with, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, but, um, yeah, no, no kidding. So it wasn't now Ghostbusters probably had more impact in my life in the later years. You know, after 10 years, oh. 15, 20 years, Ghostbusters huh. were still around. People were talking about it and people, connected to the character and like the character even now 37 uh-huh. however many years uh people Amazing. still yeah really relate and connect to that movie and uh and it's mm-hmm. nice to have that in my filmography it's nice to have something that people really mm. uh, they have stories you know uh, i've seen grandfathers and grandparents mm-hmm. watch with their great grandkids and they all find something to laugh about so now sure, I've sure. grown to appreciate it, but for the longest time, I mean, I I think it probably cost me more jobs than it than I got from it. That's so surprising. I thought for sure you would have said the opposite. And you know what I also found out, Ernie, is that uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that the script was redone a lot of times, and then the script that you thought you were getting ready to shoot was different than the one you shot, and you found out about this like the day before. You got a new script, and then a lot of your characters background had been cut out of the script and you were going to enter into the the movie a lot later than originally planned is that true yeah yeah that uh, even though i talked to Ivan reitman who i really uh, uh like and i've grown to appreciate him a lot more um is he the director he's a director producer and uh, ivan okay. says um he doesn't remember that so <laughs> you know <laughs> 
<laughs> we're both old men now and uh you know maybe oh, I'm, I'm like one of us is crazy here i don't know but what i yeah, remember that's... is but i've been said no no it was never another you know so, so i'm like okay whatever but wait didn't you did you try to make the case the day of filming and say hey but you changed this at all. Yeah. Did you try to do that? I tried to, and, um, you know, which I think kind of freaked him out. But, um, <laughs> you know, I and I, it, I think sometimes things happen where you really are put in a place where you think you can use old tactics. You know, like I said, I used to like to fight, and I, but you can't beat people right, up. Right. You know, you can't go there. <laughs> so you got to find another way to resolve this. Um, and so you got to be open. Harold Ramis, I always give Harold credit because Harold was the, the voice of reason. He kind of talked me through a lot of stuff and it was oh, a real for me to me was a real learning experience. Um, mm -hmm. you know, in so many ways, both during the movie and after the movie. And I had to just grow up and come to terms because all the while mm. I was a single dad and I had to take care oh, of my kids wow. and wow and I'm also setting an example for them how I deal with this how I you know get through this I mean they're watching so um yeah it was it was it was a challenge and uh the movie came out and you know the character wasn't included in the uh -huh. um, you know promotion of the movie i mean the people mm -hmm. see the character as part of the ghostbusters but i wasn't on the poster you know it was right right in fact i saw you in chicago at one of the uh showings of the 30th year you had oh, your kids there. You yeah we that? ran into each other at some hotel like outside yeah, it was, and i was like hey man was, yeah, no, it was at the theater. You guys came to the theater, and I think I got uh, some popcorn for your kids or something. Don't you remember that? It was at this theater where they... Oh, uh, oh, 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 yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. This is a different... Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Okay. We came out We came out to the west suburbs of Chicago. Right. Yeah, and it was at that really interesting, yeah. ornate, unique theater. Yes, I remember. Oh, I, that was beautiful. We yeah. met you, got to meet my kids, my sister-in-law, my wife. And yeah, so it was that great. That was wonderful. Well, yeah, it was the, really, uh, really cool. Well, the theater owner invited me to come to basically introduce a movie and to to be a part of this, you know, showing Ghostbusters because it's thirty yeah. years. I mean, it's a, so thirty years later. Uh, so I, I went to Chicago and uh, uh, I'm excited about it. I go to the theater and they got the poster up and it's the the poster with the three guys. And I know they have oh my god with the four of us, but I'm like, really. <laughs> I mean, really, 30 years later, you can't find something that, and yet, so it's always that. That's amazing. Stuff, but yeah, oh, that's what it is. And I, and I think <laughs> yes. part of, you know, you have to make peace with what is. You know right, what I mean? Exactly. Where I go with this is, will determine what happens next. So, yeah. You know, so that's, For that's sure. part of growing up and learning, I guess. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What, I mean, I, but did it, make you more well known in the public arena i mean you're I, you know it was interesting watching you just in the limited time that i was with you during the filming of the man in the silo like just watching you deal with celebrity to whatever degree we caught it when you were like i remember because my mother before she passed talked with you in the train station i think you had a conversation yeah. and, and you know it was in the morning or something and before we did the 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 sh the, the scenes on the train and then it was just you and her. And within like five, 10 minutes, people started to, you know, buzz about you or what have you. And how do you deal with just having your face that well known? How has that affected you or not? 
Well, you know, I always felt, you know, you can't buy, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make my day and it doesn't ruin my day. It just is what it is. It's a part of what it is. And people are, Uh I remember when I first went to LA, uh, my brother took me to meet this guy named Stu Gilliam. He had done a role on, um, Sanford and Son, a little part. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but he's an actor, and since my brother knew I wanted to be an actor, he took me over to Stu's. Uh, Stu had a shoe store. Um, okay, and uh, we were talking to Stu when uh, a limousine pulled up, and this guy got out of the limousine, and he must have been somebody important because I mean he mm-hmm. he came into the store, you know, just a uh, lot of swagger, and uh, and I thought he was somebody important, so I went over and I said. Uh, Hey, hi, uh, my name is Ernie Hudson. Uh, I'm an actor. He said, man, get the hell away from me. And he pushed me. And uh, and it was it was really awkward and embarrassing. And uh, my brother, I, I think I wasn't so much, it didn't bother me as much as I knew my brother saw it. And my brother was kind of embarrassed and it was just one of those really awkward moments. And I felt so bad about it, but I, what I felt then and I feel now is I would mm-hmm. never ever have someone feel that way about meeting me. So it's important mm-hmm. to me that yeah. you don't take away someone's I don't know sense of you know well-being uh because you you're impatient. I was with an actor, I won't mention his name. Mm-hmm. We were going mm-hmm. we were at a SAG meeting. And it was mm-hmm. a lady, young lady, who saw the both of us, and she was so excited and went on and on. We were two of her favorite actors. And she asked oh. if she could take a photo, and he grabbed me, my arm, and said, come on, man, let's go. And uh, um, we just walked past her, and just uh, and she stood there with this look on her face. Mm. And I, I went with him, and I, I, that's been 10 years ago, and it still bothers me. You really? know, so you want to be respectful. You know, on the other hand, people right. will just take over your life. I mean, oh, exactly. Boundaries are important. But I just really want. I I don't want to. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just aware of it's. Uh, it it doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but it seems to mean a lot to other people. So whatever, right. you know. I would say, but, but, yeah, I got that. I remember when my kids were with you, you like you were just unbelievably gracious and they were just thrilled. Well, you got great they were kids. Having, oh, you know, I don't do that to the, the, the awful kids. You know, oh, no, <laughs> no. They, I think you know, I always said one of the most fun Thank things about you. being an actor is uh, I can be walking down the street and I can see someone and you can just feel their energy, man. They're down. Yeah. It's like you just see that little cloud over their head and it's just well, like, uh, you know, and they'll look up and they'll see you. And suddenly they'll brighten up. Oh my God. It's, and they go and they say, Hey, man, my mom, she likes you, man. Can I get a photo? And you, and you, and you have this moment. You know, and then it's, and then they, yeah, it brings whatever. And if you can do that for no money, it's like, yeah, why not? You know, it's all good. That's a, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I think great actors are the best empaths. You're just aware of where other people are. You can pick up, great actors seem to be able to pick up on energy around them. They're the, the, some of the most aware people. I think also comedians are extremely astute, really great comedians oftentimes actually can transition and be really great dramatic actors just because they're just so astute and aware and present. Right. And so, like, when you're present with kids, I mean, kids, 
you know, they, they, they're, they're, they're enriching, they're enlivening, they're, they're so inspiring to be, because they're in the moment, they're just living right there. They're like, oh, that's yeah. Ghostbusters, what's up? Yeah, yeah, you know, they're excited. Yeah. They don't care about how it looks. And that's so beautiful and wonderful and refreshing to be around. So it's like, it doesn't surprise me that you say that. Because that's kind of how I've always viewed you. You you seem to be real present with people just kind of naturally. And that, a lot of our culture is not that way. Well, it's people be even are generally now, very present. Well, with this pandemic <laughs> and this six foot apart, uh, and if we go through yeah, a how, year how, of this, I, I, honestly, I don't know how we how we get past this. I mean, how are you coping? Like, you know, what structures to cope to you stay mentally and physically healthy, you know, just in general, like how, how do you navigate that? If you don't mind me asking, well, it's been a wonderful time for me and my wife to, to really kind of come together and, um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of work through some of our stuff, not just work through, but just to really spend time together because that travels so yeah. much. And, uh, yes. so that's been really good. And, um, you know, uh, just try to work out a little bit and try to, like I said, mm-hmm. just stay healthy and try to use this time mm-hmm. as just kind of a reboot and just kind mm. of reset some things and think about, you know, what's important, what's not, you know. So I'm just trying to right. use right. the time well uh, and really thankful that I'm in a position where I don't have to worry. I'm thinking if I was in a, a situation where I had to worry about the rent or you know, some basic stuff that would be very hard. And I feel for a lot of people who are oh, having Oh, yeah, time, and a know, lot of so. people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, and I'm, you know, very fortunate to have a job to go back to. I mean, you know, they've, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, it's been an interesting time, but just it breaks my heart to see some of the stuff that's going on in the country. And um, mm. um, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll get past this, you know. Yeah, oh, amen. I pray every day for that i mean one of the things that's keeping me sane is playing music yeah yeah no that like uh, i mean that you know but i don't want to play it unless my bandmates are here and we have to play outside with masks on six feet apart and but it's still incredible it's still like an incredibly joyous experience yeah Uh, but now the weather's getting colder yeah. So yeah. that's going to be less frequent and we can't be indoors with one another because, some, you know, and it's just like, yeah, dang, you know, I got to find that outlet. You know, I try to keep my kids, you know, active or what have you, like do some artwork. Right. Try to get off your phone. You know, there and there are things that it but it's, it's interesting how, you know, like you were saying with your wife, you're spending time together. There's a certain connection that is happening with people in a lot of situations where they're actually bonding in a way that they otherwise wouldn't have. That's actually enriching, but it's not always easy to do if you're in a tough situation and you're stressed out and filled with anxiety. But, you know, even then, like, people have to come together, and hopefully there's a lot more going on than I might think there is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, we have to use this time well. Otherwise, I think it would just drive you a little bit a little bit nuts and I'm not at a point where yeah. I really need to go and party and connect in that way because I know it's got to be very frustrating right. for young people who really are at a yes. stage in life when they want to get together and you want to hear the yes. music and you want to, it's not just the music, but it's being in that environment. You know what I mean? It's the scene and all that's on hold. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't even know what dating is like for you know oh i know that's i know yeah. i was just i was just uh meeting with one of my former interns who's you know is 20 21 
And uh, I didn't even ask him about yeah, it. Yeah. Like, are you dating? Now? How are you dating? Because like, that's just kind of a no-go. Yeah. By the way, Ernie, uh, I just wanted to ask you one uh, another question. I have more questions, but I know we've gone along, and I'm so grateful for your time. I just wanted to ask you one that might uh, be interesting is, can you remember like any crazy-ass time on a set or interesting moment um, or moments that you know, no one would really know about that you've experienced, like on any production, like something that was just like, man, that was, that was nuts. Or that was kind of crazy. Or that was remarkable. Or like, wow, that was so interesting. I'm so glad I was there for that or part of that. Yeah. Something that happened, whether it was during the a take or not. Right. Yeah. I, um, yeah. And you know, I mean, I think there's, there's always so many, so much, uh, you know, is there I, anything that any one experience that may come to mind? Well, I, um, you know, I, I, we talked about the one actor that I was working with who just sort of lost control and um, ended up in a fight uh, with the first AD and uh, it turned into a fist fight. And it was so odd seeing these grown Wait. men actually fighting. Was this was this the, the police officer uh, show? Yeah and um oh really yeah and i thought wow that, that seems so yeah i mean not i mean the yelling you get you know people yell and do even that's a little kind of you know we grown just, there's certain yeah. things as grown men you know we just don't do that you might threaten a why call. why um and, i know and I, I don't I, get that i don't know you know um and i i was on a set recently uh, one of the shows I do, and uh, I think the, uh, the 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 DP was having a hard. I don't know. People said I, I'm not sure, but he just um, his uh, the first AD. He just really went off and really was abusive. Um, the director, who was a young lady, uh, and it was one of her first directing uh, gigs, and she asked me, "Should I say something?" I'm like, "No, this is." This is this is very unusual. This doesn't normally happen. Uh, mm -hmm. I was one of the things I was doing um, a show. Um, we're shooting in Arkansas actually, and we had an actor who was the lead in it, and he never knew his lines, and uh, it would just slow everything <laughs> down, and it was just painful. And so I thought, well, maybe I could help him, you know. And so I, I said, listen, man, um, you know, I know. He, he was the lead and just didn't know his lines. He didn't know his lines. He just didn't. Just uh, every time that he, he's looking at it, boom. Yeah, just, just kind blank. of, I was like, he was. You're the lead, man. Yeah, and and it was just blowing <laughs> everything. It was taking forever. And uh, oh. I thought, man, this is. So I said, you know, can, is there something I, we can do? I can help. I mean, um, and he says, uh, I said, you don't. He says, no, what's wrong? I said. You don't seem to know your 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 lines," he said. "No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't look at it until we get here on the set." And I said, "What do you mean?" What the he says, "No, he said, I, I just yeah. I just uh, I'd rather be in the moment." And and I'm like, "Your moment is. Gone. <laughs> I'm I'm on the set for 14 hours because you want to have a moment. I mean, really, it's it helps all of us." But um, wow. that's the way he's, that's, that's incredible. Do it, and so and he works. So <laughs> you know, but it's been so many, uh, people, you know, just weird <laughs> stuff, man. That um, yeah. Well, I remember. I remember. When, oh, I remember when I was called to set. 
and the man in the cellar. And you were like, um, it was in, you know, you were Marcus Wells characters, you know, in the bedroom and he was like going over his, uh, he was living there and he was pretty distraught and, you know, it was look, it, sh- it should have looked like, you know, half eaten meals on the, 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 the counter or whatever. And some photos scattered about, and you just like reminiscing and kind of, you know, about to go into your tailspin. And, uh, I got on the walk tie. They're like, yeah, you need to come to set. Uh, Ernie's not, uh, happy with the set design. I was like, what? really? I got to come to set. Uh, okay. So I came to set and then I looked at it. I was like, Oh my God. And like, you were like, no, no, no. Cause there was like, it was just not done right. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was like a paper plate with some ketchup on it. And we're like, what the, you, you were saying like, what is that? What is that? And the whole camera crew was cracking up. I started to crack up cause I was, I was always yeah. tired as hell from working so damn hard on that film. And I was just like, I laughed my heart. And then I was like, okay, we're going to fix it. And then we called another art director and like immediately yeah. got it handled and he worked the rest of the shoot. But I remember that. It's just like, what is going on here? Yeah. Is anybody going to take care of this? <laughs> I got to come. I got to come. I got enough to do. Yeah. Don't no, it's, 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 it's you know, crazy. You know, it's, it's insane <sighs> stuff because it's so intense. The people are thrown together and, it's a short period of time and everybody needs to do their stuff, but, and people mm-hmm. have attitudes and people are, oh my are gosh. high and working and you don't, and it's just, it can be, <laughs> you know, anything happens and it does happen. And, but I always kind of, you know, that's, that's why I don't direct because when mm, people fall, mm, things fall mm. apart, it's on me to resolve. And as an actor, mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know what, I'm, I'll just be over here. You guys work that out. You know, she's yeah. crying, and I don't know what that's about, but she won't leave a dressing room. Right. So you go talk to her. Uh, yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to deal with that. So you know, and yeah, uh, and I've seen just crazy stuff. But I'm like, that's not in my. You know, I mean, I'm here for you if I can help. But otherwise, yeah, you know, that's Boundaries. why I got to make sure that that I'm prepared because I never want things right. to be held up or slowed down you know, because of what I do, but I, you know, you mm-hmm. try to be patient, try to be understanding. I don't understand a lot of it, but Hey, you know, this is, this is where we are. And- well, you know, your character and, uh, was it, uh, uh, Grace and Frankie yeah. with, uh, Lily, Tomlin. Uh, Jane Fonda and Lily, Lily, Lily Tomlin. Um, God, are they funny? Yeah. They're, Oh my really, gosh. Yeah. Are they, they're raw. Yeah. And, and I mean, are you having a good time yeah, working I, with I them? Love, well, you know, I'm fan uh, of both of theirs, and they have been for a long time. When I started out, Jane Fonda uh-huh. was a big star, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, and I and they're so amazing and wonderful people, mm. and so easy oh, to get along yeah, with, I, you know. And I just uh, so I'm just honored to be on the show. But I like to think, you know, oh, good, that, yeah. once again, that ego. I mean, I bring something to the show as well. In my of course mind, you do. Of course so, you do. Um, but I, I love seeing them work. I love being on that set and being around mm. them. And uh, because I think when you're the leads in the show, you carry the show. And if you behave badly or you're not showing mm-hmm. up or you're causing mm-hmm. havoc, then other people will follow that. And uh, but when you show yes. up on time, other people will, you know, uh, normally fall in line, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I, I got a kick out of, out of nowhere. You're, you're, uh, you know, Lily Tomlin is your, your love interest. And then, uh, all of a sudden you're firing up a joint. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I laughed 
hard. My my kids are like, "What's so funny, Daddy?" I was just like, uh, you, I, "I'll explain it yeah, later." Yeah, <laughs> like in a few years. <laughs> so where did you go to school? Humboldt State University. Oh, <gasps> Cornhuskers. <laughs> Lumberjacks. <laughs> am I doing? Are you all right? No, no. Grace had this stupid idea that you were flirting with me, so I tried to flirt back. You couldn't tell. I thought you were having a stroke. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. I've got an idea. Damn, that's some good chiva. I cross-pollinated a super strain of White Widow some Hindu Kush. I call it... God damn. I'm totally blanking. <laughs> Can't remember what I call it. It's just funny to see you because that just doesn't... I never would have thought I would ever see that in real life, but I saw it on screen, which is yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, no. And your rings were like you—you you, know—you were rocking the jewelry. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I nice. love that. I that love that good. character. I love. Uh, I love. I, yeah. It was. You know, what I like about him because he's just sometimes so much uh, being. I'm not sure what the term. I know that whole black African. I don't. None of that stuff. It bothers me because it feels like some subcategory. You know, I'm not just American. Somehow, mm. but anyway, we'll just go. So as an mm-hmm. African American. Uh, <laughs> uh, actor, yeah. so many of the roles that I'm offered, it's it's some extreme. Some guys are criminal, even though I don't get those too much these days, thankfully. Right? Or he's, um, you know, it's it's never just a guy. You know, what I mean, rarely just a mm. family, rarely just, you know, just you know, loving, caring. It's always something extreme. But on that mm-hmm. show, this guy is just a guy. You know, he's he's been successful. And he likes this woman because he likes her, not because of, you mm-hmm. know, and that's kind of where you are at a certain point in life. And I like that about the show. And I don't have to do, yes, you know, some dumb stuff. I, I just, I, I like. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so genuine and real. It's almost a little too real. It's like, whoa, you know, they're talking about the intimacies of dealing with sex uh, right. at a certain age. I'm like, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, but it, it's a wonderful production. And, uh, you know, the one I forgot to ask you about, which I don't want to forget, um, which I was, I remember when I was, we were, um, after you agreed to do The Man in the Silo, I was watching films. You were in The Basketball Diaries with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He had some really powerful moments with him. Because your character helps him through his drug addiction. Where is it? What? You know what the fuck I'm talking about, Reggie? Where is it? You mean this? Give it to me. I'll cut your fucking throat, Reggie. Give it to me, all right? Just give it to me. I'm gonna make you an incredible offer. I'm gonna save your life twice in one day. You understand me? You should have left me in the fucking snow, man. Oh, Reggie. Okay. Why are you doing this? Because once upon a time, somebody helped me. And I'll always pay what I owe. 
And also with um, uh, in Hand the Rock Rocks the Cradle as Solomon, did you did you observe people that have you know a mental handicap of some sort? Because I mean, it was incredible how you portrayed that character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the shows that I'm really most proud of because um, really, I felt that you know. When I read the script, uh, they were looking for uh, Irish guy with freckles, and uh, oh. you know, five seven. It was not anything that looked like me, and huh. um, so I wanted to get in, and and I couldn't get in uh, a meeting. Uh, and then they started at that point. They were seeing people who were mentally disabled. Uh, they were interviewing them mm. because they were hoping to get someone who really had a problem to do the role. Um, mm. And then that didn't work out um, because they mm. felt yeah, like it's... we really need an actor. And then they kind of opened it up. Uh-huh. So I finally got um, uh, an audition and uh, was able to uh, to uh, get in. And uh, uh, Curtis Hansen, who recently died, uh, but Curtis really liked what I did and uh but the studio mm. was uh not wanting to cast somebody black in that role because at that time mm. it took place in the south and they felt that they were making some you know inappropriate comment about black men or something but then after the script got placed mm. in in Portland Oregon then mm-hmm. it changed um or at least they were mm. more open to and so I had to go back again and uh and I had to really convince them that number one, being a man physically, you, you know, big could convince the audience that I wouldn't retaliate. Like, for example, mm-hmm. when she slaps me or when we're in that situation, because. Oh, you know, yeah. I just that, watched that know, the other day. That why wouldn't you just, you know, just take her? And because this, that's not what the guy does. I mean, it's, you know, and. and exactly. But they couldn't quite. They said, well, would that be believable? And of course, it was never questioned. Uh, in my mind, so um, so it was interesting. They sent me uh, Curtis sent me the tape of their auditions for me when mm. I, to to try and go back when I had to go back and meet the studio again, and uh, it mm-hmm. was all the auditions of the people who were mentally disabled, and you saw uh-huh. one after another. They kind of went in, and then they had this one guy, the last one on the interesting. tape. He went in, and he was brilliant. Oh. He was, he was, it, it was, it was wonderful. And then, and they, and you could hear they got excited, hear the buzz in the back got excited and they were all, yeah, that's wonderful. They said, um, that's so wonderful. Uh, Jerry, would, would, could you stand up and do it? And he said, no. Can you stand up and yeah, do it? Yeah. In, in other words, he was sitting down, he was doing line, but he just wanted him to just stand up and do, just do what he did. He said, no, just do what, what you just did. And, but uh-huh. just stand. And he says, no. So, because so, he can't take direction. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of critical. I, you know, I got it down like this, and, and now you've, no, I'm not, no. And, that, and then the tape wow. suddenly went black, and that was the end. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. But when I got the role, I knew that it, right. it just had to be honest. That's all. So I went to mm-hmm. a number of places that uh, deal with, you know, mentally disabled people and met some of the mm. guys and met a guy who was very similar to the character. And mm. then you, so you take your own experience of, 
you know, I mean, to me to be, it's, they say retarded, but you're locked at a certain age, maybe six years old, and you mm -hmm. behave like a typical mm -hmm. six-year-old, except you're 46. And mm -hmm. so, uh, but it was kind of interesting developing, you know, doing the homework and research for that, that character. Um, but I, I like Solomon. Yeah. And, and Solomon was the best part of me, you know, the best of who I hmm. can be. Solomon! show you my sculpture. Ah, uh, okay. It, 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 is that the head or, or, or is that the foot? No, that's part of the fur. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I, I, I see. That's a piece of art. I knew you'd see it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a very honorable person, very decent, and which is, you know, not a light thing to say in, in, in this modern day society. I yeah. mean, just to be a decent human being is quite an achievement. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, to see the best in people. Well, that's that. And what was the uh, the actor's name? The woman who oh Rebecca De Mornay. Rebecca, yeah. Oh, sh yeah, she geez, was. Yeah, man, she was intense. She was, she was um, really intense. Yeah, was, I was like, dang, yeah. get her back, right. Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's wicked. Yeah, she's. Uh, she was. She's and and uh, and she's. I, I think of her as a friend. I haven't seen her in a long time, but she's a wonderful uh -huh. actress. But uh, man, she. Yes. When we got her to do that scene where she snaps me, she wasn't supposed to slap me in the in the scene. Oh, but uh, oh, really? I could see in her eyes she had something up, you know. And she came and she just got up in my face. So that was a real slap. Yeah, that was a real slap. Yeah, that's that, what I uh, thought. You know, and you looked very surprised. Uh, yeah, I was. I was. Well, you know, I knew. <laughs> I just knew that she was riding that moment. And uh, and she was, you know, I just felt something's going to come out of her. Are you a retard? No. Did you like looking at me? Did you like looking at me? My version of the story will be better than yours. I will let you hurt them. They're my friends. I will let you hurt them. And so where do you go with that? Yeah, you reacted yeah. as if it was real, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and that's what makes it real. Yeah, she was, uh, I, yeah, I, I love work. You know, like I said, working with good people, and she's really very good at what she does. Yeah, Ernie, uh, boy, this has been incredible. Um, such an honor and a pleasure to talk with you. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience before we go? No, I'm just, uh, I just really uh, love and appreciate you, man. I mean, we've known each other for a number oh, thank of years. You. I really... You know, Likewise. just have so much respect for you and uh, your beautiful family. And so, and it's nice to be able to, um, yeah, to just have a conversation with someone during this pandemic. I'm talking so much because I, Amen. I have nobody to talk to. So you, <laughs> <laughs> you're it. 
my wife is tired of what I have to say. So I'm glad to talk to you. <laughs> right there with you, brother. Uh, and right back at you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been uh, wonderful to get. I just remember on the set of The Man on the Silo, every time we chatted for more than a minute or two, it was never more than three or four, though, because I was busy. I was hustling, and I'd be like, oh, I want to talk to you some more, but I got to go yeah. again. But it was, uh, yeah, no, it's been wonderful to connect. Thank you so much for your time. And, um, uh, you know, until until the next go around, hopefully. We're, by the way, you're you're going back for the family visit. You're going back out to L.A.? Yeah, I'm going back out to L.A. They, they're doing, Might have they're to trying be. a situation where we're going to be quarantined in a house. Okay, and, okay. Um, you know, they're trying to create a bubble where everybody working on the okay. show will be within that bubble to keep it safe. Oh, okay. So we'll see how that goes. Right. I've never done that. I feel, I feel right. like I'm going to camp. So, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, should be, it should be fun. Well, by the way, Phil Donlin and Christopher Ellis both send their regards. Um, and hello and lots of love. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll just road trip out to L.A. and get Phil and come to the set. Just crash the set. Yeah. But we can't because you're in the, We're bubble. In the bubble. Yeah, Now yeah. you just right. <laughs> We have to come with our COVID test like, hey, we're clean. Can we come in and just say hello to Ernie? Hey, man, much love. Thank you so much, Ernie. Thank you. Best of the family. Take care. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you're a fan of Ernie Hudson, make sure to check out his riveting performance in The Man in the Silo, available on Amazon Prime Video. Columnist Rick Kogan of the Chicago Tribune wrote, It is a love story, ghost story, and psychological thriller, all playing out under the shadow of racial tension and backed by Bernard Herrmann's haunting score for Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. And if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, leave us a rating and review so more people can hear about us, and share about Rhythm of Life on social media, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Ordauer. This has been a Rhythm and Light production.